Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Great White Throne Church. If you're at the Great White Throne Church, you're in trouble. But the, uh, the judgment seat of Christ, when you stand at that judgment seat of Christ, what rewards will you have? Don't, don't get all distracted on whether or not God's going to punish those unfaithful Christians. You know, uh, that's not about that at all. It's about hearing the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Uh, here's, a, here's a reward. Can you imagine standing at the judgment seat of Christ and going through it and getting nothing? Because it goes through the fire in First Corinthians 3, and when it comes out, it's either wood hay, uh, uh, wood, hay and stubble, which gets burned up on the fire, or gold, silver, precious stones, and then there's a reward. And wouldn't it be embarrassing for your Savior, whom you have been redeemed by, to look at you and say, I'm sorry, man, I got nothing for you. But you get heaven, and I believe that. I believe you get heaven even if you have nothing to show for your life lived on this planet. And praise God for that. You can get saved just so as by fire. But but wouldn't it be nice to have your Savior say, here, i got a crown for you because you served me. And here's what Christians do, Jason. Well, what, what really is service to Christ? You know, And they'll spend their whole life sitting on their duffs doing nothing. Wondering what is truly their service for Christ, right? And just instead of just getting in and doing something for Christ, I'm going to do this for Christ. I'm going to go tell somebody about Christ. What better thing could you do? Anyways. Absolutely nothing at all. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 3 that our conversation or our manner of living is already in heaven. Why don't we live that way? Why do we pursue the things of these world? Boy, we let our flesh win so much, don't we? Why don't we just serve Christ? The next person we see out, why don't we just tell them about Jesus Christ, give them the gospel? Why don't we live godly in this world that we might please Christ? And I'll tell you, the reason is, is because we're just simply not that dedicated to it. And that's a sad fact of American Christianity, Pastor. Well, how wonderful is that salvation that our listeners received, that I received? Did you not, did did our listeners not get saved? If 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 they didn't, they need to. Yeah. If, if it's wonderful to you, then you just got to share. You can't hide a treasure like that. All right, folks, there's the music. That means we are just about done. But this broadcasting network, the American Voice Radio Network, is not done because Melissa Roxanne with New World Order Info is coming up next. You don't want to miss it. We'll see you next week. God bless you.
The political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. You know, this is the final stage in your examination. It's a rather informal test in which we try to get some line on your ability to think on your feet. Your reaction to stress and pressure. Clear your desk. Get your number two pencil ready. If you are ready, the Inquisition is about to begin. Nobody invests the Spanish Inquisition. If you have questions, please refer them to the chat room and make them good. Go ahead. Make my day. Ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Bunk? Live from Houston, Texas, a man who calls it like he sees it, without the normal political correctness he may have grown comfortable with. It's time for the Texas Perspective on Current News and Events. This show is not for the faint of heart or easily offended. Chances are you will learn something and along the way get to hear some great music from bands you may have missed. The doctor is in and he will see you now. Well, I guess we better get on with it. Oh, yeah. Well, we do want to get on with it, but today we're going to have a little clash here. I'm going to take a page out of my buddy Scott Ford's 
operational manual and we're going to do a little teaching today and we're going to talk about some stuff that you need to know so strap in get a notebook you really do need a notebook you need to write this stuff down that i'm about to tell you this is stuff you have to know you've got to have it committed to your own memory you've got to share it with the other people around you so uh, strap in the doc green show is about to start up and class is in session let me get my pipe. Let me get my uh, my jacket on with the uh, elbow patches so that I'll look very professorial as we get into this. Globalism. What is it? Who's behind it? Why do we care? Globalism is simply the belief that the nation state is now obsolete. That we, the world, must move into a system of global governance. Clearly stated, globalists believe that national borders should be totally dissolved. We should have a one-world government. You know, that's part of what NAFTA was uh, supposed to bring forth, and the Trans-Pacific Partnership, excuse me, supposed to bring forth. There's a guy named Strobe Talbot. You might remember him. He stated it most clearly in his article, The Birth of the Global Nation, and that was published in Time Magazine back in July of 1992. Within the next 100 years, he said, nationhood as we know it will be obsolete. All states will recognize a single global authority dictator. And only two years after he wrote that, Strobe Talbot was tapped by President Bill the Rapist Clinton to serve as Deputy Secretary of State, where he pushed his global agenda until the end of uh, Bill the Rapist Clinton's presidency in 2001. It's been prophesied by the Bible two of the most famous prophets in the Bible, one of them Daniel, the other one John in the respective books of Daniel and Revelation, and it clearly prophesies a world government is coming. Daniel 7.23 phrased it like this, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom on the earth, and it's going to be different than all the other kingdoms because it will devour the entire earth. It will tread it down and break it into pieces. This passage obviously refers to a dictator, the Antichrist, who is going to rule the world until the second coming of Jesus Christ. Daniel 7:24 through 27 says, This world government will continue right up until the return of Jesus when the kingdom of God will be established on the earth. Revelation 13.7, penned by John, says, The Antichrist and his one-world government, it was given unto him to make war with the saints, to overcome them, and power was given to him over all kindreds, all tongues, and all nations. Revelation 13.5 gives us the timetable for how long that will last. And there was given unto him a month, excuse me, there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue for forty and two months. 
These 42 months refer to the time of what we call the Great Tribulation, which culminates with the second coming of Jesus Christ. Who is promoting this government? Well, there have been a lot of individuals that have been involved in this thing. We'd have to go clear back to, I think, 1913. That's when the communist Woodrow Wilson was elected president. Sort of by hook and by crook, he did not receive a majority of the votes. He was elected just like Bill Clinton was, with only 40% of the vote. But uh, he is the guy who introduced the income tax. He is the guy who lowered tariffs. In other words, completely changing the way that America had always operated. A very, very bad guy, Woodrow Wilson. He brought in the Federal Reserve Act, which allowed a few European families to control the currency of the United States. And, of course, the 16th Amendment, having just passed, paved the way for him to set up the Revenue Act. He actually appeared in person before Congress, the first president since John Adams to do so. The joint session was a spectacular event. And he spoke only briefly, but he made it clear that tariff reform was needed, and he would not be a party to the repeat of the embarrassment of the thwarted reform back in 1894. The burden was clearly on Democratic shoulders because they controlled both houses of Congress at that time for the first time in 18 years. The Revenue Act of 1913, for instance, passed the House by a vote of 281 to 139 in May of 1913, and then Wilson uh, guided it to the Senate passage of 44 to 37, politically considered a major triumph for the socialist. The uh, reduction of the tariffs for instance, on woolen goods, went from 56% to 18.5%. Steel, rails, raw wool, iron ore, agriculture implements went to zero rates. This, of course, was the beginning of the end for American manufacturing. Yeah, it took some time, but this is what kicked it all off, and it placed the tax burden entirely upon the very people of the United States, Whereas before, that had been borne by people who wanted to sell product into the United States. And while it may have made some products more expensive, at the same time, it was causing a lot more money to be earned by the individuals in the United States. This is the beginning of the end of the middle class. But I digress. Woodrow Wilson, they called him... A progressive at the time, but progressive is always code word for communist. But he conceived of a system of global governance called the League of Nations. Unfortunately for him, there were certain members of Congress that understood that meant the United States would be surrendering its sovereignty, and they were smart enough to know that was a bad idea, so they refused to ratify the organization of the League of Nations, and thus consigned the League of Nations to the dustbin of history. 
Of course, as you know, it's now been replaced by the United Nothing. I mean, the United Nations, another group which gets free rent and has never accomplished a damn thing other than allowing tin-horn dictators from third-world countries to come here and eat lobster and drink champagne. And you are paying for it, my friends. We want to fast-forward from 1913 to Franklin Delano Roosevelt. FDR ordered the term Novus Ordo Seclorum, paced on the back of the United States dollar at the bottom of the pyramid. Novus is Latin for new, Ordum is Latin for order, and Seclorum is Latin for secular or world, a new world order. Where have we heard that before? Way back in 1935, they were working on the New World Order, a.k.a. globalism. After World War II, FDR became the driving force behind the formation of the United Nothing, and it was designed from the outset to ultimately become the structure for world government. Now, there's this other guy here that you probably never heard of. His name was James Warburg. He was the son of a guy, Paul Warburg, who was the author of the Federal Reserve Act. Now, remember, the Federal Reserve is no more federal than FedEx is. There is no reserve. There's nothing federal about it. It's just a name. He said, we shall have world government whether or not you like it, either by conquest or by consent. He made that statement to the Senate Foreign Relations Committee on February the 17th, 1950. There was a Supreme Court justice about that time. His name was Felix Frankfurter. We're not going to get off into a discussion of Wieners here, but that was his name. In 1952, he said, The real rulers in Washington are invisible. They exercise power from behind the scenes. Now there's another fellow involved in this. His name is Senator William Fulbright. You might have heard of the Fulbright Scholarship. He said, The case for government by elites is irrefutable. William Fulbright was the former chairman of the U.S. Senate Foreign Relations Committee, and he stated that in 1963 at a symposium entitled, The Elite and the Electorate, Is Government by the People Possible? You see, even back then, they didn't really want you or we, the people involved in government. They had it all figured out. They didn't really need our help or even want our input. Barry Goldwater, in his book, With No Apologies, before he went senile, he wrote, The Trilateral Commission is intended to be the vehicle for the multinational consolidation of the commercial and banking interest by seizing control of the political government of the United States. The Trilateral Commission represents a skillful, coordinated effort to seize control and consolidate the four centers of power. That would be political, monetary, intellectual, and ecclesiastical. That's right. 
They wanted to control the church. And what are we doing right now where we've got people in the government that are reaching out to church members and and teaching them why their church members, they're going to be good godly people, will submit themselves to a godless government based on that scripture, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar and submit yourselves to the authorities placed over you. What the Trilateral Commission intends is to create a worldwide economic power that would be superior to the political governments of the nations as managers and creators of the system they will rule the future the trilateral commission was founded by one David Rockefeller This brings us to a, another fellow you've probably never heard of. His name's Richard Gardner. The new world order will have to be built from the bottom up rather than top down. But in the end run around national sovereignty, eroding it piece by piece will accomplish much more than the old-fashioned frontal assault. That was from the Council on Foreign Relations member Richard Gardner, writing in April of 1974 in the Council on Foreign Relations Journal, Foreign Affairs. Now, one of the things that most of us have been aware of is the Trilateral Commission and the Council on Foreign Relations were both put together with the complete intent of destroying U.S. sovereignty. The problem that these globalists are dealing with is the fact that in the United States, inadvertently, they allowed the middle class to rise and to seize power. And consequently, this thwarted all of their efforts toward world government. They had to destroy the middle class. Oh, I do hope you're taking notes on this. So, we move forward a little bit more to the Cold War. After World War II, the Cold War between the United States and the Soviet Union immediately began. Consequently, not much progress was made toward global government for the next 40 years. Now, once again, for my younger listeners, the Cold War meant that while we were antagonistic toward Russia and vice versa, we weren't actually shooting any bullets. It's just like a husband and wife that live in the same house, but they don't speak to each other. That's the Cold War. I hope you don't live in a situation like that, by the way. If you do, I strongly recommend that you kiss and make up now, because you're wasting precious time. Once again, I digress. So the fall of the Berlin Wall really changed things. Now, who do we thank for that? Well, Ronald Reagan, because Ronald Reagan, in his famous speech said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And of course, the Berlin Wall, the whole point of the Berlin Wall was to keep people who did not want communism, to keep them inside the communist society to make sure they can never escape. And if indeed any of these people tried to escape communism, they were shot going over the Berlin Wall. Well, on November 9th of 1989, 
Mikhail Gorbachev and George H.W. Bush and Pope John Paul met together. They came out of those meetings announcing the birth of the new world order. That should send chills down your spine. But once again, I want to remind you, the Bushes, beloved Republicans, have always been members of the new world order. George Herbert Walker Bush, a.k.a. Bush 41, met shortly after with Gorbachev, the Pope, and he said, we have the opportunity to forge for ourselves and future generations a new world order. And when we are successful, and we will be successful, we have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible united nothing can use its peacekeeping, time-wasting, money-devouring role to fulfill the promise and the vision of the United Nothing's founders. Then we get Bill Clinton. Yeah, that's right, the rapist-in-chief. Now, I probably shouldn't completely call him that because we only know of three women that he raped. And I don't know if just raping three women actually makes you a rapist or not. Anyway, Bill Clinton, the rapist-in-chief, spoke to the United Nothing on September 22nd, 1997. He said, The forces of global integration are a great tide, inexorably wearing away the established order of things. The United Nothing must play a leading role in this effort by filling in the fault lines of the new global era. Before the century ends, we should establish a permanent international court to prosecute the most serious violations of humanitarian law. And of course, when he said that, he wasn't referring to his own violations of the law or Hillary's violations of the law. He's talking about the little people and countries that don't toe the line. Anyway, this world court is to place individuals on trial without the protection of the U.S. Constitution or the Bill of Rights that was adopted by the world community on July 17, 1998, and was ratified and came into force in 2002. Now, I want to remind you, there was used to be a newsman that was on every night in America. I know I watched him pretty much every day as a child growing up, and I trusted him. He is the reason why we lost the Vietnam War. We won every battle on the field, but see, we lost the battle here at home and in Washington, D.C. because of this one man, a closet communist who was working toward the destruction of America every night on the evening news. Yes, even before CNN. Walter Cronkite. He said, It seems to many of us that if we are to avoid the eventual catastrophic world conflict, we must strengthen the United Nothing as the first step toward a world government patterned after our own government with a legislature, an executive, and a judiciary branch, and most important, a police branch to enforce these international laws and keep the peace. To do that, of course, we Americans are going to have to yield some of our sovereignty. That would be a bitter pill. It would take a lot of courage. 
It would take a lot of bowing down and kissing the glove. It would take a lot of faith in that new world order. But today we must develop federal structures on a global level. We need to have a system of enforceable world law. A democratic federal world government to deal with world problems. I like the word democratic in there. Once again, you you hear a lot about how we're a democracy. Do you hear a lot of liberals spouting that when, in fact, the United States is a representative republic? Getting back to Walter Cronkite. Today, we must develop federal structures on a global level. He said that when he was accepting the Norman Cousins Global Communist Award back in 1999. Actually, they called it a Global Governance Award, but I'm trying to help you here by translating some of these things. This is given annually by the World Federalist Association to the person who is doing the most to promote a communist one-world government. Walter Cronkite, the most trusted man in the world, sold your soul. Now, let's get back to David Rockefeller. We mentioned him earlier. Now, he was chairman of the board of Chase Bank. And some even believe that they are part of a secret secret cabal working against the best interest of the United States. He said, characterizing my family and me as internationalists and of conspiring with others around the world to build a more integrated global political and economic structure, one world government, if you will. Well, if that's the charge, I stand guilty and I'm proud of it. That's a direct quote from David Rockefeller, page 405 of his memoirs, published in 2002. He went on to say, in another place, we are grateful to the Washington Post, the New York Times, Time Magazine, and the other great publications whose directors have attended our meetings and respected their promises of discretion by not reporting any of the evil that's going on there for nearly 40 years. Why, it would have been impossible for us to develop our evil plan for the entire world if we'd been subject to the bright lights of publicity during those years. But the work now is much more sophisticated, and it's prepared to march toward a world government, the supernatural sovereignty of an intellectual elite and world bankers. It's surely preferable to the national self-determination practiced in past centuries. David Rockefeller said that in an address to the Trilateral Commission in 1999. And once again, David Rockefeller founded the Trilateral Commission in 1991. 19, yeah, 1999. 91. Now, let's step across the pond. England's Prime Minister, Tony Blair. We're all internationalists now, whether we like it or not. He said that on the eve of the new millennium, we are now in a new world. We need new rules for an international cooperation and new ways of organizing our international institutions. Today, the impulse toward interdependence is immeasurably greater. We are witnessing the beginnings of a new doctrine of international community. Now, I should mention 
that England's recent Brexit, where they left the European Union, that kind of threw a shoe in the works. A sabo, if you will. Henry Kissinger, when asked by a reporter at the beginning of President Obama's first term in 2009 what he thought the most important thing that Barack Obama could accomplish would be, he said, I think his task will be to develop an overall strategy for America in this period when really a new world order can be created. It's a great opportunity. It isn't just a crisis. Henry Kissinger, by the way, was a protege of this uh, David Rockefeller fella. Here's another name that you're probably not familiar with. Gideon Rachman, or Ratchman, R-A-C-H-M-A-N, Chief Foreign Affairs Commentator for the Financial Times. In his column, Rockman said, I have never believed that there is a secret United Nations plot to take over the United States, but for the first time in my life, I think the formation of some sort of world government is plausible. A world government would involve much more than just cooperation between nations. Why, it would be an entity with state-like characteristics, backed by a body of laws, the European Union has already set up a continental government for 27 countries, which could be a model. The European Union has their own Supreme Court. They have a currency. They have thousands of pages of law, a large civil service, and the ability to deploy military force to enforce that law. So could the European model go global? There are three reasons for thinking that it might. Rockman then goes on to explain the reasons why he believes world government is plausible. We have a, another fellow whose name you're probably not familiar with. He was a congressman. His name was John Rarick, R-A-R-I-C-K. John Rarick. Back in 1971, he said, The Council on Foreign Relations is the establishment. Unquote. Not only does it have influence and power and key decision-making positions at the highest level of government and to apply pressure from above, but it also announces and uses individuals and groups to bring pressure from below to justify the high-level decisions for converting the United States from a sovereign constitutional republic into a servile member state of one world dictatorship. Now, do you see the Cloward and Piven strategy being employed there? Pressure from the top down, pressure from the bottom up, pressure from the inside out. The important thing that I want you to get from all of this is that a lot of what's going on out there today, you tend to view as isolated incidents, common core in the schools, rising taxes, property taxes, toll roads everywhere. You tend to view these as isolated incidents, but I am here to tell you that they are all part of a whole. It's part of a system. And it's a part of a system that needs to be stopped. I mean, these quotes I've read to you are all promoting world government, but they're just a small sample of what the leaders have come to believe is the answer to solving global peace and security. That is a one world government. Keep in mind that the farther away from the people the government gets, 
the more tyrannical it must be in order to succeed. But this idea is being promoted in your colleges, being promoted in the press, business circles, religious institutions, yes, even in your church. And it has gained virtual control over both the Republican and the Democrat parties. And that's why it doesn't matter which party has been in power over the last 50 years, the country has been steadily moving in the same direction toward global government. Those who have been leading the United States steadily toward world government have become known as the establishment. Whether they're Democrat or Republican doesn't really matter. That's why I tell you, parties don't matter anymore. You've got to look at the people. The globalists believe the nation-state has totally outlived its usefulness. National sovereignty has become the problem, and the system of world government is the solution. Elimination of the middle class is the problem. All people being equal in a uh, Agenda 21 fashion. If you haven't read that book by Glenn Beck, whatever your opinion of Glenn Beck uh, may be, the book Agenda 21 is a worthy read. But the reasoning goes like this. History shows that sovereign nations inevitably, sooner or later, come into conflict. And when those conflicts can't be worked out through diplomacy, nations resort to war. Weapons of mass destruction have become so powerful that mankind now has the ability to destroy itself. Therefore, war must be eliminated, even outlawed. But once again, I remind you that peace is not the absence of war, no matter what Barack and St. Obama says. War is an ugly thing, but it's not the ugliest of things. That cold, degraded state of the heart of man who believes that nothing is worth war is much worse. The only way to do this is to eliminate nations, disband national armies, place all of the arms under a global authority, making war therefore impossible. Unless, of course, the United Nations peacekeepers want to make war upon you, in which case you'll be absolutely defenseless, but hey, we don't want to get into that, do we? So when a dispute arises among states, this way they can take their issues before the United Nations and present their case before the UN Security Council. All nations would then agree to abide by the decision of the global authority, thus eliminating war forever. So, for instance, the Jews can come before the council and say, you know, the Palestinians are lobbing, uh, you know, five to ten rockets a day into our neighborhood indiscriminately of whether or not it's going into schools, indiscriminately whether or not it's going into family neighborhoods. They just keep on doing this. Will you please stop them? And, of course, then the United Nations will look at all the factors involved and say, well, you know, if you Jews weren't Jews, this wouldn't be happening to you. So I think what we need to do here is to just eliminate the Jewish state, and that will solve the problem and, of course, kill all the Jews, and then there will be peace. Oh, you laugh maybe when you hear me make that statement, but I can assure you that's how they view it. So since all national armies, including Israel's, will have been disbanded, the only army left will be under control of the global authority, and all the nations will have no choice but to submit to the decisions of that world government. There will be no such thing as personal arms. Go back and look at the, uh, uh, what do they call that document? It's uh, 19777. It was uh, produced by our own State Department. It'll come to me here in a minute. 
But essentially, that document produced by our own State Department and signed by JFK back in 1964 calls for the total disarmament of the American people. The Freedom From War Act, that's what it was. The Freedom From War Act. You can look that up on Google and read it for yourself. You will be astounded. So, anyway, to the uninformed, all these plans might sound pretty good until we ask this one uncomfortable question. What would happen if, let's say, an Adolf Hitler should gain control over the only army that is left? And, of course, I ask you how that uh, would differ from, say, Ban Ki-moon, because Ban Ki-moon, the only reason why he hasn't done everything that he wanted to do is because right now the United States is still an impediment to his plans. So the world's checks and balances will consequently be destroyed, and the world will then be subjected to the worst tyranny that has ever been seen in the history of man. The promoters of globalism argue that such a scenario would never happen. Of course, the Bible clearly prophesies that it is exactly what's going to happen as soon as the planned world government becomes strong enough to nominate the world. Only the world leader won't be Adolf Hitler. It'll be someone much worse, very likely a Muslim. The Bible calls him the beast or the Antichrist. I mean, we got Keith Ellison, a Muslim in the Democrat Party, trying to take over right now uh, as chairman of the Democrat National Committee. Where do you think that's going to end up? The only thing standing between mankind and the total emergence of the planned New World Order is the United States of America. The American people's love of their national sovereignty. The states of Europe have already surrendered their sovereignty to the European Union, with the exception of Britain, which has exited... The leaders of the European Union believe that the European Union is just the first step of the coming global union. The establishment in America believe the same thing. So, many Americans believe that there are problems with both of the past presidential candidates. Uh, Well, let's face it, Hillary is absolutely a globalist, but I don't think Donald Trump is. The issue is whether or not America is going to continue down this path to globalization and the new world order, or is Donald Trump going to reverse that? Are we going to be able to reclaim our sovereignty, as Britain did? Will we trade our declaration of independence for a declaration of interdependence, as the establishment say we must? Will Donald Trump stand his ground? Will we be able to defend our borders? Will the Judeo-Christian beliefs that have made this land the home of the free and the brave continue to dominate? We are looking right down the barrel of a gun, and I think Donald Trump is going to turn this thing around. But essentially, that is the 800-pound gorilla sitting in the living room of every home in America right now. And uh, Irvin Baxter is the guy that uh, put all of that together for me. You can find that in the uh, September-October issue of End Time Magazine from End Time Ministries. Irvin Baxter happens to be one of the leading Bible prophecy teachers. And so that's why I want to bring that to you, because it's uh, it's an essential part of where we're, where we're headed as a country. Hey, 
And I'm late for the break. The Doc Green Show will continue right after these words from our sponsors. And I'm counting on you to support our sponsors. Be sure to get by the Tejas Smoke Depot if you're over there in Fredericksburg. Even if you don't smoke, go by there and say, hey, Dave, thank you for underwriting my favorite radio show in Fredericksburg, The Amazing Doc Green Show. And all of our other sponsors, Galen BDAC, which, by the way, he's running a special right now on winterizing your air conditioning system. So you need to give Galen a call and uh, let him fix you up, get you ready for the winter. Anyway, going to be right back on the Doc Green Show. Don't go away. Here's an important message from Vita Scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements, along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. Hello, I'm Gary Wilcox with Pet Floors of Houston. We specialize in luxury vinyl tile installations for your home or your office. We sell a high-performance floor that is perfect for anyone who has dogs or cats or is trying to get a floor that just looks beautiful without nearly the maintenance that other floors have. It's a heavy-duty commercial PVC product. It looks like wood or stone or tile. This is a floor choice that you find major retailers have in their stores or intimate cafe or even your fast food restaurants. The adhesive that we use is waterproof. The product is waterproof, and so therefore, you can use a bleach water solution, clean it right up, and you're back to normal. It doesn't hold any odor, it's realistic, it's hygienic, it's affordable, and there's no click, click, click noise on it when you walk on this floor. It's just amazing. We've been in this house for about eight years, and we've had some hardwood floors down. And it was really one of those things where they were looking worn and needed to be refinished, and we were really looking for an alternative. And we found Gary with Pep Floors, and he came out and measured. The measurement process went very easily, and when it came to installation time, they came out here, did a fine job. The installers were great, the service has been great ever since. I love my new floors. They're great, extremely durable, and they just look beautiful. From a cleaning standpoint, from an overall care standpoint, you don't even have to think about what you're doing. It's, it's, there's no special care. It's, it's really nice. We actually have a mobile showroom, so I can come out to your home or office at a time that's convenient for you, and I can show you the samples that would look right in your home. I can even help you make decisions and coach you through this. It's not like I've done this one or two times, but I've done it many, many times. So give me a phone call, and I'm happy to come out there. I do estimates for you right there on the spot, and it's all free of charge. That's Pet Floor of Houston. Pet Floor. 
TexasSpecialties.com. Texas Specialties is in a little town of 1,000, Three Rivers, Texas. Texas Specialties is a small family business in a town where treating people right is a way of life. The Stubbs families, Texas Specialties. Started out doing high-quality T-shirts for Texas music scene bands at affordable prices. Everything, the design, the artwork, the printing, accepting minimum orders, even selling T-shirts for the bands online. And now they bring that experience to you anywhere in Texas. Texas Specialties. Can do the same for any small business, for teachers, for schools, dance classes, athletic teams, clubs, and anyone needing good quality screen printing at an affordable price. The Stubbs family loves to work with ideas and the people who have them. Your experience with Texas Specialties will be excellent. Anything less just will not do. Call 361-784-2052. 361-784-2052. Click Texas Specialties. Ad on RagingElephantsRadio.com. Automobile aficionado, Apostle Claver here. Let me introduce you to my mechanic, an ASC certified mechanic, Andre at America's Repair in Houston. Now, you guys know I'm a former, fully sponsored race car driver, and I own a high-performance auto. You bet I'm particular about who even touches my car. I go to America's Repair to get all my auto work done, and you should, too. Andre has served Spring Branch and all of Houston for over 20 years. America's Repair will match or beat any competitor's price, all repair. Come with a one-year, 12,000-mile warranty. America's Repair is a complete car care and repair center. State inspection, muffler and exhaust work, wheel alignment, brake work, tune-ups, engine transmission work, auto body and paint, great deals on oil change and AC checkup. America's Repair accepts all extended warranties. 2005 North Gessner, one mile north of Memorial City Mall in the Katy. Wednesday is senior citizen discount. Thursday, active military discount. Call 713-467-2001. 713-467. 2001 americasrepair.com or click the ad on ragingelephantsradio.com Tejas Smoke Depot wishes you well. Locally owned and operated, we have all sorts of tobacco products. Come take advantage of our sale on vapor products up to 50% off. Thanks for listening to us on the Dot Green Show on ABRN, RER, Facebook, or YouTube. We are located at 1639 West Highway 290 in Fredericksburg. Like us on Facebook, Tejas Smoke Depot in Fredericksburg, Texas. is declared worthless and money is all electronic, then the one world government will have so much power it will be able to dictate who is allowed to participate in the economy. This is one reason why uh, things like Social Security, uh, they don't allow you to just take the check and then go cash it. They have to have direct deposit into your bank account because otherwise they don't have control of that money should they decide that you're no longer worthy for one reason or another. So we see that the technology is already here that can make it impossible for us to buy or sell unless we have the, quote, mark of the beast. Sweden is expected to be totally cashless within the next five years. Over half of Swedish banks refuse to deal in cash of any kind. Buses, street vendors, even churches already accept plastic or virtual payment. 
I know that uh, when I went to the bank the other day to cash a check, the uh, they only had one teller on duty. This huge bank right in the middle of River Oaks they had one teller on duty. That was it, because they don't deal in cash anymore. They had a bunch of people working in the bank, but everyone else was there uh, to facilitate loans and business transactions of various different types. There was actually very little cash going on, and they were very surprised that I actually wanted to cash my check. So uh, it's happening here already. Over the world, there is a massive movement to switch to electronic banking. 62% of 1,000 Americans surveyed expect to see a cashless society in their lifetime. A recent poll by mayor, by the mayor of London's public relations company, London and Partners, revealed that 68% of British people think physical money will be completely replaced by cashless technologies in 2036. Now, what's cool about that is, you know, all the stuff we always saw in movies and we thought it was kind of semi-amusing, but we knew it could never happen here, uh, where they just declare you a non-person, and all of a sudden your your accounts don't exist anymore, all that money's gone. You see, when it's all digital, there's no requirement for any actual wealth. Wealth becomes whatever you want it to be, and the people that have wealth are those that are in favor of the government, and those that are against the government have no wealth, no resources, and no ability to buy or sell. These cashless technologies are advancing more rapidly than anyone could possibly imagine. In fact, in April, more than 100 executives gathered in a secret uh, meeting to test software for the new digital cash system from a company named Chain. This new system speeds up transactions. Things that used to previously take days, they can now do in seconds. The test demonstration was successfully performed, and it transformed U.S. dollars into pure digital assets called a blockchain. A blockchain is supposedly a tamper-proof database which allows companies to make and verify transactions instantly on a secure network without any sort of central authority. Google Wallet, PayPal, Apple Pay are all examples of peer-to-peer internet or point-of-cash sale alternatives, point-of-sale cash alternatives, which enables virtual or electronic transfers and payments without printed banknotes or checks ever changing hands. In 2015, Louisiana passed a bill making it illegal to use cash for the purchase of junk or to use cash to purchase second-hand property. The Bank Secrecy Act of 170 primarily targeted cash, specifically requiring banks to report transactions involving more than $10,000. Well, actually now, the banks are required to report transactions of as little as $2,700. That means that if you go to the bank, you draw out three grand, they're going to report that immediately, and that's going to be transferred to law enforcement officials, who at that point may be able to pull you over in a simple traffic stop, and then once they've discovered that you've got drug money on you, confiscate that money. Drug money, you say? Yeah, they'll swab the money. Make sure there's no drugs ever came in contact with that money, but you see, it's virtually impossible to have a drug-free wallet now. Almost every wallet in America has drug 
tainted money in it because the drug cartels are so huge, so rich, so prolific. So they will confiscate your cash, and there'll be nothing you can do about it. You know we've talked about it here on the show. The fact that uh, 90% of all cash confiscations, there are no criminal charges issued. They simply take the money and walk away. Road piracy is what we could call it. The government requires banks to alert officials about any suspected criminal activity if a cash withdrawal amounts to more than a couple thousand dollars. So if you try to move your money, they're going to be aware of it. If you do not have cash as an option, every dollar spent leaves a digital trail which will be available for your entire economic life, including when you spend, where you spend, how you spend, and how much you spend. Transnational corporations, international bankers, politicians, governmental authorities are passionately pushing for the total elimination of cash. This is, of course, to get rid of the drug cartels, right? How's that working out for you so far? The... uh, The elimination of cash. Technology expert Terry Cook explains that the abolition of cash is so important to the New World Order because they are totally aware that if they can get rid of cash, they can totally control the world. But as long as there is a cash transaction system, they do not have total control and cannot exercise total control. They first must be able to track and monitor the global population, and that requires the elimination of cash. There's no way to know how people are using their finances, whether for or against the government and its agenda, as long as there is cash. Something even bigger, perhaps, going on behind the scenes. A lot of globalists don't even realize themselves, but that is Lucifer, a.k.a. Satan, a.k.a. Allah, is moving his program to a system where everyone will have a mark or a number in order to be able to buy or sell. Thus brings in the beast of Revelation. There is one structure on earth today designed to be a world government, and that is the United Nations. The United Nations will use economic sanctions and intrusive and even as an intrusive and even destructive weapon to force nations to comply with its edicts. Bow down and kiss the glove. If you read in the Bible, verses 16 and 17 of of Revelation describe the use of economic sanctions by the end of the age world government, and not just against nations, but also against individuals. I quote, And he causeth all, both small, great, rich, poor, free, and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or on their foreheads, that no man might buy or sell, save that he had that mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. In order to obtain the mark, or number, required for buying and selling, each person will have to pledge an allegiance to the world government and to the dictator ruling the world at that time. Thus, individual economic sanctions will be used to force obedience on the world governmental system. On the other hand, Revelation 14 tells us whoever receives the mark of the beast shall drink the wine of the wrath of God, and any person who pledges to be loyal to that one world beast system will ultimately be sentenced to eternal damnation by God himself. Now, some of you are saying, Doc, why are you preaching like this? I mean, what are you talking about? 
Some of you may not even believe in God. Well, I want to encourage you to understand there's not any possibility, not even a scintilla of a possibility that this universe could come into existence by accident. There is a God. If there is a design, there must be a designer. There is a God. His name is Yeshua, and Moses is his prophet. I strongly urge you to pull out a Bible today and go to the book of Acts, the first sermon ever preached in the, quote, Christian church, and read the instructions for salvation, which you will find there, given by the Apostle Peter in that first sermon ever preached in the Christian church, Acts 2, 37 through 39. And read those instructions. Follow them carefully. They're very easy. It's something you could easily do and uh, just, uh, you know, take an hour in the afternoon and go do it. It's easy enough. Guarantee you there's a church and a pastor in your area that is that has a baptistry open and he's willing to make it happen. We are on the verge of some major, major stuff, guys. You know it. You feel it. Donald Trump being elected may forestall some of it, or Donald Trump being elected may be part of it. I can't answer that question conclusively. Right now, I choose to believe that Donald Trump has something to offer us and that he may forestall some of these things from happening. But let's face it, almost every Bible prophecy that's ever been made was indeed fulfilled. Jesus Christ himself fulfilled 61 different prophecies, and the likelihood of that happening... The chances of the sun not coming up in the morning are much greater than any one person fulfilling those 61 prophecies that Jesus Christ did indeed fulfill. So I just wanted to lay that on you. And now I've got a little music to go with this, and then we're going to head off into the next hour. So stick around on the Doc Green Show. Hashtag Amazing Doc Green Show on YouTube, on Facebook, and, of course, on American Voice Radio and RagingElephantsRadio.com. Download that free app today.
Doc Green Show is on the air, the second hour. So uh, we're going to get into some great stuff here, so strap in. Hope you uh, still have your notebook handy. We're going to hit a bunch of stuff in this second hour. The Doc Green Show live, RagingElephantsRadio.com. AmericanVoiceRadio.com. Don't forget we're archived at American Voice Radio. We're on YouTube. We're on Facebook. Hashtag Amazing Doc Green Show. God bless all you guys out there. We're going to get to it. Well, here's something that you may not have thought about. Thanks, Tom Bazan. Martha Stewart went to prison for lying to the FBI. Yet Hillary lied to Congress, the FBI, and to the entire world, and she remains free. Richard Nixon. We owe him a huge apology. He erased 30 seconds of audio tape and refused to rat out his friends. Ultimately end up having to resign under the threat of impeachment. Hillary erased four servers using BleachBit, got rid of more than 30,000 emails, possibly as many as 50,000, and yet she remains free. General George Petraeus shared his calendar He was given a federal conviction and fined $100,000. Hillary Clinton, they say there's a 99% chance that her servers were hacked by five foreign countries. And yet, she walks free. Jason Bresler, he was a Marine. He sent one email on an unsecured server to protect the lives of fellow Marines. It was an emergency. He felt like he had to do it to save them. He had deployed four times to the foreign battlefield, and yet he was forced out of the Marines for that one lapse in judgment. But Hillary Clinton sent more than 2,000 classified emails on an unsecured server for her, quote, convenience, unquote. She is free. We had six Baltimore police officers that were indicted, and there was no evidence that they had done anything wrong just because a drug dealer ended up damaging himself in the back of a police car. No evidence whatsoever. With Hillary, we've got more than 10,000 pieces of evidence, and yet no charges. Edward Snowden lives in fear of his life in a foreign country for exposing the constitutional failures of the American government. He realized that these constitutional failures could not continue, and yet Edward Snowden lives in exile because he's afraid to return to the United States. A sailor by the name of Christian Saucier of Arlington, Vermont, got sentenced in federal court to a year in prison plus six months of home confinement. Why? He had taken six photos of his submarine when it was in dry dock in Grutton, Connecticut. And then when the phone was thrown away, those photos were found. He didn't share them with anyone. But that was his punishment. Harold Martin, working for a NSA contractor, was arrested in August for theft of classified documents. There's no indication that he intended to sell these or share these with anyone. He had a total of six classified documents. He is currently in prison awaiting the outcome of the investigation. Awaiting the outcome of the investigation. Six classified documents. Josh Ernest, 
said the president is taking this very seriously. What about Hillary? I mean, they went into Hal Martin's house, throwing in a flashbang grenade, and then arrested everybody and searched the place. Who searched Hillary's place? According to number 18 U.S. Code 1924, unauthorized removal and retention of classified documents, whoever, being an officer, employee, contractor, or consultant of the United States, and by virtue of his employment, office, position, or contract, becomes possessed of documents or materials containing classified information of the United States, and knowingly removes such documents or materials without authority, and with the intent to retain such documents and materials at an unauthorized location, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned for not more than one year or both. <clears throat> for purposes of this section, the, provis the provision of documents and materials to Congress shall not constitute an offense under subsection A. The term classified information of the United States means information that originated or was owned or possessed by the United States government concerning national defense or foreign relations of the United States that have been determined pursuant to law or executive order or to require protection against unauthorized disclosure in the interest of national security. Did not Hillary break that law? Is she not guilty of at least one year in prison and a fine? Code 798 of that same section, whoever knowingly or willfully communicates, furnishes, transmits, or otherwise makes available to an unauthorized person, five foreign governments, or publishes or uses in any manner prejudicial to the safety or interest of the United States, Hillary Clinton, or for the benefit of any foreign government to the detriment of the United States, any information concerning the nature, preparation, or use of any code, cipher, or cryptographic system of the United States, or any foreign government, or concerning the design, construction, use, maintenance, or repair of any device, apparatus, or appliance used or prepared or planned for use by the United States government, or any foreign government for cryptographic or communication intelligence purposes, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 10 years, or both fined and imprisoned for up to 10 years goes on to say any person convicted of a violation of this section shall forfeit to the United States, irrespective of any provision of state law, any property constituting or derived from any proceeds the person obtained directly or indirectly as a result of such violation, and any of the person's property used or intended to be used in any manner or part to commit or to facilitate the commission of such a violation. This is serious stuff, guys. And the way forfeiture laws work in the United States, I believe that all of Hillary's uh, four huge mansions should be confiscated, and all of the funds in the Clinton Foundation should be confiscated. What did Hillary Clinton sell to get all of that money? James Comey, of course, being an employee of the Injustice Department, was really incapable of doing anything, even though he may have tried. He may have wanted to do it, but he was found in unable to do so. And he probably should be fired. Ayn Rand said, when the law no longer protects you from the corrupt, 
but protects the corrupt from you, you know your nation is doomed. Justice Louis Brandeis, a member of the Supreme Court from June of 1916 to February of 1939, made a great statement. If we desire respect for the law, we must first make the law respectable. Our government teaches the whole people by its example. If the government becomes the lawbreaker, it breeds contempt for the law, and it invites every man to become a law unto himself and invites anarchy. He went on to say, those who want our independence valued liberty as an end and as a means. They believed liberty to be the secret of happiness and courage to be the secret of liberty. Judge Louis Brandeis was not a conservative by any stretch. Yet, yet in those days in the United States, conservatism was much more the norm. Now the Overton window has moved so far to the left that what they call the radical right would have been centrist in another day and time. And that's why a man like Donald Trump, who is perhaps slightly even left of center, now looks so conservative. And that's why all of the liberals on CNN are just going absolutely nuts over this man, Donald Trump, who is now our president. This is why Hillary is too big to go to jail. Paradise lost, my friends. In other news, as a result of the election, once again, Newsweek had the classic error. They had already shipped out a number of copies of their magazine with Hillary Clinton on the cover as Madam President. You see, once again, Newsweek, a national publication was either so inept that they could not do the same research that yours truly was able to do with my little uh, one-man staff here and figure out that Donald Trump was clearly going to win this election, or they also decided to participate in the great lie, knowing that uh, the news media, lying to the American public with their push polls, their weaponized polls, were going to cause Hillary Clinton to be elected because of the fraud in the voting booth, as well as convincing a number of people that it was a done deal, there's no point in showing up and even voting for Donald Trump. So uh, anyway, uh, on November 9th, they reported that they were quickly rushing out the new President Trump versions of the commemorative edition to get it out there into the stores. Uh, Tony Romando, CEO of Topics Media, the owner of Newsweek, uh, said, like everybody else, we got it wrong. Both the Clinton and the Trump commemorative issues were designed and laid out in advance, but Topics Media, believing last, late last week that Clinton was likely to win, shipped only the Clinton issue. They say that only 17 of the Clinton magazines were actually sold out of the 125,000 that they printed and shipped. All wholesalers and retailers have been asked to return any issues that they got with the Hillary cover, and they expect the Trump cover to sell very well. Said he plans to print more copies of the Trump version because the upset victory would lead to even bigger sales. So, thought you'd find that interesting. Reminiscent of the 
Chicago Daily Tribune back in uh, 1948, the day after the incumbent United States President Harry S. Truman won an upset victory over the Republican challenger and governor of New York, Thomas E. Dewey, in the 1948 presidential election. The erroneous nature of the headline of the Chicago Daily Tribune, Dewey Defeats Truman, <laughs> became notorious after a jubilant Truman was photographed holding a copy of the paper during a stop at St. Louis Union Station while returning by train to his home in Independence, Missouri. <laughs> the Tribune, which had once referred to Truman as a nincompoop, was famously Republican-leaning back in the day, and in a retrospective article a half-century later about the newspaper's most famous and embarrassing headline, the Tribune wrote that Truman had about as low an opinion of the Tribune as the Tribune did of him. And this is way cool. When uh, Trump was mulling his run back in 2000, Fortune Magazine reported that he had combined his political appearances with 10 paid speeches for motivational guru Tor- Tony Robbins so he could actually earn money while assessing a candidacy. So it's very possible I could be the first presidential candidate to run and actually make money, he said. Well, electing a U.S. president who is also a billionaire carries all sorts of novel complications. For one example, his fleet of airplanes. He's got two airplanes and three helicopters, including a Sikorsky S-76, which was featured on a show called Pimp My Chopper. (laughs) But when it comes to political campaigns, the U.S. Secret Service, of course, pays for agent travel to be on aircraft, trains, boats, or automobiles. You know, you got to get those guys there somehow. So uh, both Trump and Clinton have been paid a total of $5.5 million for flying agents around, according to the last tally available from the FEC. Of that, $2.75 million was attributable to protecting Donald Trump. But you see, unlike Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump didn't need to charter an airplane, saving the government a lot of money since he flew his own jets. So as a result, while the Secret Service chipped in for its share of what the Clinton campaign needed to charter planes, when it came to Donald Trump, they just effectively wrote him a check. For travel on his black and red Boeing 757 and his Cessna Citation, the Candidates Aviation Company, which is Tag Air, Inc., raked in almost $6 million. Those payments, Secret Service spokesman Joey Casey said, in accordance with FEC rules specifying that those traveling with a campaign, including the news media, must pay for their travel. So it wasn't an option. It's not like he's taking advantage of something that uh, wasn't there. This was a law requiring him to be compensated. So Trump's aircraft fleet is just a microcosm of the numerous uh, potential interesting things this transition team's got to navigate, given the extent of the president-elect's business interest. Once they take office, Donald Trump and Vice President-elect Mike Pence and their wives will travel on U.S. military aircraft. Why? What's not clear is how their seven adult children or their spouses or any other relatives will travel if they are under federal protection. If they're traveling with Trump or Pence, though, they'll likely fly on Air Force One or Air Force Two. At other times, however, Trump's children might fly on a private jet, potentially one that he already owns. They're probably not going to do like Nancy Pelosi did, where Nancy Pelosi required them to get a brand new, bigger, fancier airplane and stock it with literally tens of thousands of dollars worth of expensive alcohol. Um, no, I doubt if the Trumps are going to do that. Only a Democrat would do that, quite frank. Quite frankly, the Secret Service does not discuss status of protection for specific people. The law specifying Secret Service's duties authorizes protection for immediate family members of the president and vice president. But Donald Trump's four oldest children all live in New York. Pence has two adult daughters and a son in the U.S. Marines. And Donald Trump also has a 10-year-old son, Barron, who is going to be living in the White House. 
First Lady Mike Obama, for instance, had her mother that was living at the White House, but did not have Secret Service protection unless she was with her daughter or granddaughter. She did, however, collect a fat paycheck to be the nanny. So uh, that's going away, thank God. Secret Service travel on Trump-owned airplanes means the agency would have to reimburse the agency's owner, in this case, well, the president. So then you got government money going into the pockets of the president and his children, said Brett Kappel, a uh, lawyer who specializes in political finance and ethics at Ackerman LLP. The Trump transition team did not respond to any requests seeking comment. The Trump family has also hired private security guards, although it's unclear how his election will affect the extent of the private security used. Secret Service has assumed full authority for protecting the president-elect and vice president, including a new no-fly zone the FAA has established until uh, January 21st over Trump's Manhattan Tower. And unlike taxpayer funds used to reimburse political campaigns for travel, which Secret Service also reports to the FEC, the Federal Election Commission, the security travel costs for an elected official, visiting dignitary, or other protectee are part of its normal operating budget and not subject to disclosure. So the cost of flying agents on Donald Trump's planes after the election probably will not be publicly disclosed. But there's going to be a bunch of very unique situations because President Trump's extensive business holdings complicate things a little bit. I mean, let's face it, in the modern era, we've never had a president like Donald Trump. And I don't know about you, but here's all I got to say about that. Woohoo! Strap in, folks. It's going to be a hell of a ride. Donald Trump, he's my man. If he can't do it, no one can. Thank you. 
little music for you from the finest trumpet player next to Maynard Ferguson, Bill Chase. And now, back to news and information. Well, the first Monday after Election Day is the unofficial start to the new Texas legislative session. So uh, state lawmakers have already begun filing bills and proposed laws that they hope will get passed. What we hope is that there are a few smart conservative lawmakers that are already proposing bills to get rid of legislation that we have. I do believe that we ought to repeal fully 50% of all the laws on the books here in Texas, but that's another story. Anyway, uh, by the end of the first day, over 500 bills were filed on subjects everywhere from Sharia law, education, uh, to texting while driving. Experts believe that a strong showing is a good indication of some of the issues that are going to be discussed this session. Mary Duty, chair of the McLennan County De Democrats, said she got back to work Wednesday morning. About 2 a.m., moments after Trump was projected as the winner of the presidential election, she started working on her next project. Said, I downloaded the agenda, or what I thought would be the agenda, for the first Texas legislature. And while Monday marks the first day bills could actually be filed, the actual session will not start, of course, until January. Pre-filing a bill can have multiple purposes. Filing a bill before legislation allows lawmakers and constituents the opportunity to learn more about the proposed legislation. And, of course, there's also the advantage of reaching committee first, possibly. That is assuming Joe Strauss approves and allows it out of calendars. But uh, nonetheless... The uh, bills filed give a good idea to what the reps were working on in the off-season and what their agenda is going to be. Uh, Miss Duty sees one topic in particular sticking out. She said the biggest piece of pie in Austin is educational funding. John Kerr of the McLennan County Republican Party agrees with her. She said, I had a conversation with uh, Representative Doc Anderson the other day. Doc Anderson, of course, is a uh, moderate uh, Democrat in the Republican Party. And uh, he said education will always be a hot topic. I believe the legislature should address this fairly soon. I, on the other hand, believe the only thing we should be addressing about education here in Texas is the elimination of the public school system. Uh, the public school system is an absolute failure. The product being turned out of Texas schools, just like the product being turned out in other schools across the nation, is of no value. We're turning out young people that cannot read, young people that cannot write, young people that do not know anything about history, young people that don't know anything about math, uh, young people that can't even do basic uh, multiplication tables. Uh, this is what we're getting out of the public schools. That's why my grandchildren are all being educated in mostly homeschool and uh, some in private school. And I would encourage you to do the same thing, to put your children in the public school system, in uh, my never-to-be-humbled opinion, is simply child abuse and should be treated as such. Anyway, back to the story. Both agree, Doc Anderson and uh, John Kerr, that legislation or the, that the national election is really a catalyst for political involvement at the state and local levels. Um, Kerr said the the Republican Party will be meeting to discuss some of the issues there in the county that they want to advocate, both nationally and in Austin. Uh, Miss Duty, the Democrat, echoes that sentiment. She believes that local politics is often the starting place of national policy, which it is. Uh, George Rodriguez, uh, all politics is local, you know. Get to work in your own backyard. So anyway, 
Uh, Duty says uh, she believes local politics is where it all starts, and this is where a citizen can make a difference because you can get on the phone and meet with your legislature, even at a church picnic. You know these guys are right here in your hometown. They live here and usually have the opportunity to use your voice. Well, that is until they take national office like uh, Michael McCall, in which case then you'll never hear from them again. But uh, y'all strap in. It's going to be a good one. One of the things that I expect to see talked about, and of course they're not mentioning it here, is I expect to see Texans have their constitutional right to keep and bear arms restored. There are 11 states now in the United States that have no permit requirement for carrying a firearm, and it should be the same here in Texas, and I'm counting on that happening. Oh, yeah. The doctor's going to be right back. Got a lot of more for you on the Doc Green show today. And you don't want to miss any of it. Slamming and jamming. But I got some more music coming up for you, too. Stick around on the Doc Green show. Now's a good time to invite your friends. And tell them that this is the place to be, the only place where you're going to get honesty in the news, straightforward, as my buddy the Apostle Flavor likes to say, straight no chaser on the Doc Green Show. Texas Specialties is in a little town of 1,000, Three Rivers, Texas. Texas Specialties is a small family business in a town where treating people right is a way of life. The Stubbs family, Texas Specialties, started out doing high-quality T-shirts for Texas music scene bands at affordable prices. Everything, the design, the artwork, the printing, accepting minimum orders, even selling T-shirts for the bands online. And now they bring that experience to you anywhere in Texas. Texas Specialties can do the same for any small business, for teachers, for schools, dance classes, athletic teams, clubs, and anyone needing good quality screen printing at an affordable price. The Stubbs family loves to work with ideas and the people who have them. Your experience with Texas Specialties will be excellent. Anything less just will not do. Call 361-784-2052. 361-784-2052. Click Texas. Special keys. Add on RagingElephantsRadio.com. Automobile aficionado, Apostle Clater here. Let me introduce you to my mechanic, an ASC certified mechanic, Andre at America's Repair in Houston. Now, you guys know I'm a former fully sponsored race car driver, and I own a high-performance auto. You bet I'm particular about who even touches my car. I go to America's Repair to get all my auto work done, and you should, too. Andre has served Spring Branch and all of Houston for over 20 years. America's Repair will match or beat any competitor's price, all repair. Come with a one-year, 12,000-mile warranty. America's Repair is a complete car care and repair center. State inspection, muffler and exhaust work, wheel alignment, brake work, tune-ups, engine transmission work, auto body and paint, great deals on oil change and AC checkup. America's Repair accepts all extended warranties. 2005 North Gessner, one mile north of Memorial City Mall in the Katy. Wednesday is senior citizen discount. Thursday, active military discount. Call 713-467-2001. 713-467. 2001 americasrepair.com or click the ad on ragingelephantsradio.com and 
And don't forget to visit Tejas Smoke Depot. No matter what you need, they probably have it. If you're in a hurry, they got a drive-through. They got vapor supplies for all of you vapors out there. They've got lots of accessories, wood, metal, and glass pipes. They even have hookahs, and that's in case you want the cool smoke. They got uh, beer. They got uh, Lone Star. They got Coors. They got Keystone Light as well as a few local brews. So come on out there and check it out. Smoke Depot. Go by and see Big Dave and say, Hey, man, thank you for supporting my favorite radio show. Smoke Depot in Fredericksburg, Texas, right out by 290. Obama came up with this great idea. He said, what a what a way to completely destroy the United States with illegal immigration. All we got to do is we just got to let everybody and his brother and his son and his mother in here, and we'll call them uh, children. Yeah, that's what we'll do. We'll call them children. Well, anyway, uh, now that Donald Trump is the president-elect, a lot of illegal aliens are taking to social media to show why it matters to their positive contributions to the U.S. Now, first of all, what positive contributions do illegal aliens make to the U.S.? Well, they give the police a lot of jobs because they do a lot of raping, robbing, and pillaging and killing. Yeah, they, uh, the illegal aliens do a lot of that. Uh, some of the less violent illegal aliens, they suck up American jobs that would otherwise be filled by Americans. Uh, some of the other illegal aliens, for instance, uh, suck up uh, college scholarships. They get uh, free scholarships to college because they're illegal aliens, and, of course, that keeps an American from getting that college scholarship, doesn't it? But uh, anyway, uh, one illegal alien activist, uh, Gabi Pacheco, Pacheco, Gabi Pacheco, who broke into the United States from Ecuador, started a grassroots campaign with the hashtag with DACA to encourage other illegal aliens to share their stories about breaking into the United States and why Donald Trump should consider uh, letting all of these people that broke in here illegally, uh, letting them stay. I mean, there's what, some uh, 90, 91, 92 million illegal aliens in the United States, about 12 million in Texas. And so uh, as we start the countdown toward Donald Trump actually taking over in the Oval Office, uh, we're trying to figure out some ways to... Uh, to keep him from uh, keeping his promise to, you know, enforce the law. I mean, look, there's nothing that a criminal like uh, Ms. Pacheco wants to see more than uh, us to continue to allow her to break the law. She does not want the law enforced. And the very thought that a man like Donald Trump would actually begin enforcing the law, you know, actually returning America back to Americans. You know what I mean? And Americans, by the way, a lot of them have, uh, you know, last names like Rodriguez, Gonzalez, uh, 
Yeah. Castro, there's a lot of Americans with last names like that, but see, they are Americans. Ray Herrera comes to mind. He does not call himself a Mexican. He said, I am an American. I am an American. That's just it, plain and simple. So there are plenty of Americans with Spanish surnames. The very idea that uh, Americans with Spanish surnames wanted more illegal immigration to take place is ridiculous on its face. They have children. They have grandchildren. They don't want their jobs taken away by illegal aliens either. So anyway, uh, in 2013, Ms. Pacheco became the first illegal alien Latina to be bold enough to testify in front of Congress because she knew that there was nobody in Congress with balls enough to enforce the law either. And so she just come up there and said, look, I, yeah, I'm the one. I'm the one that stole all this stuff. Uh, I'm the one that's up here taking up space. I'm the one that's sucking up a job that some American otherwise might have. I'm the one that's getting all of this uh, extra money from the government. Yeah, that's me. But uh, there was nobody in Congress that had balls enough to stand up and say, uh, we'd like to have her arrested. She is here illegally. We have proof. We'd like to see her immediately deported. Why is it that all of a sudden we have to be... Uh, we have to be so considerate of these illegal aliens. Now, Donald Trump says he plans to deport uh, any illegal aliens with criminal backgrounds when he takes office in January. This is something that really worries a lot of the other illegal aliens because, well, let's face it, criminal background, if you broke into this country illegally, that would make you a criminal. And then you would have a criminal background. And then if you just happen to be raping and robbing, pillaging and killing while you're here, well, that makes you more of a criminal than you already were. I don't know. Is that possible if you're a criminal or you're not? A, are you, I don't know. Anyway, what we're going to do is get the people that are criminal and have criminal records, gang members, gang, drug dealers, and we're going to get them out. We're going to get them out of the country because they are here illegally. And, of course, all the bleeding heart liberals are just freaking out. Gabby Pacheco said... With the DACA, I am able to work. I am able to come here. I am able to get a scholarship that otherwise might have gone to an American. And you Americans should not deprive me of this. You should give me more free stuff. Now, I'm certain that if an American goes to Mexico, they're going to do all that stuff for him, right? If an American kid goes down to Mexico and breaks in there, do you think they're going to give him all this free stuff? Could I remind you of... Uh, Sergeant uh, Tamarisi, young Marine, driving into Mexico, accidentally got in the wrong lane, drove into Mexico, and he just happened to have a gun in the back seat of his car. He wasn't going down there to rape, rob, and pillage. He just made a wrong turn. He's actually on his way to dinner with his girlfriend. But uh, how did Mexico treat Mr. Tamarisi? Oh, that's right. They put him in jail. They kept him in jail for six months. And Barack Obama, that gutless wonder, did absolutely nothing to get him back. So that's how Mexico treats people that break into their country, even if it was unintentional. How do we in the United States treat these people that broke into our country with the intention of taking things away from Americans, like Ms. Pacheco here? Anyway, Ms. Pacheco said, I'm going to urge Donald Trump and the incoming administration to think long and hard about endangering the status of, uh, oh, excuse me, I'm misattributing this. This is Barack Obama. 
I'm going to urge the president-elect and the incoming administration to think long and hard before they endanger the status of, for what all intents and purposes, are American kids, said Barack Obama at a White House press conference. I mean, these kids were brought here illegally by their parents, and these kids did nothing wrong. Well, they did do something wrong. Their parents were not supposed to be here, and the kids weren't supposed to be here either. So I say evict them all. And they'll go down to Mexico, and they speak English, so they'll have to learn to speak Spanish. But that's okay, because they expect Americans to learn to speak English. I Just today, I saw a sign on the outside of a big church here in Houston. And uh, that sign was say, uh, said, uh, we teach full Spanish immersion school here. They want you to bring your kids to that full Spanish immersion school and so they can learn Spanish because, you see, that church recognizes what a lot of people don't recognize, and that is that the uh, Hispanics, the Mexicans, the uh, Guatemalans, the Colombians, what have you, they are coming here not to become Americans. They are coming here to take over. That's what they're doing. They're coming here to take over. And I don't know about you, but I personally have a problem with that. So uh, anyway, uh, Ms. Gabby Pacheco, and I just, uh, you know, the only th- I wish you well. I just hope that you get arrested, and I hope you get sent back to your home country, wherever you came from. That's what I would like to see happen. I think that's only fair and reasonable. And uh, then maybe one of my grandchildren can have uh, that scholarship that you've been sucking up. Oh, too late. You've already used it. Dadgummit. I don't know, it's about time for Americans to start acting like Americans and be Americans. I'm such a racist. Now, on to more interesting stuff. I mean, there were some, I don't know, at least 20 or 30 celebrities who said they promised to leave the United States for good if Donald Trump was elected. And they are Jon Stewart, Chelsea Handler, Neve Campbell... Maybe Neve Campbell, I don't know. Uh, Barry Diller, feminist uh, Lena Dunham, and then she's a crappy actor, too. And comedian Keegan Michael Key, actress Chloe Savini, Al Sharpton, Natasha Leone, Eddie Griffin, Spike Lee, Amber Rose, Samuel Jackson, Cher, you know the singer? The comedian George Lopez. He's a racist. Singer Barbara Streisand, Raven Simone, Whoopi Goldberg, Omari Hardwick, Miley Cyrus, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the Supreme Court Justice, Amy Schumer, and Katie Hopkins. Now, these arrogant, self-important jerks need to go ahead and pack it up and get on out of here. I mean, you know, if you said you would... How can we trust anything else you'd say if you do not leave? You don't want to lose any cachet or, or any uh, any appreciation that other people may have for your greatness by the fact that you did not keep your word to leave. And there's a lot of folks uh, that actually voted for Donald Trump because they thought it was going to get you the hell out of here. So I think it's only fair and only reasonable for you to do that. In fact, I got a little bit of music for you, a little traveling music right here. Oh, 
Jennifer. Hot scotch on sidewalks, kites in the air. Family drives on Sunday, blue ribbons at State Fair. Those are things of days gone by. I realize how much was lost. It makes me want to cry. We're taking back our country, and that's a fact. If it doesn't sound good to you, let us help you pack. <laughs> Go Joyce Schaefer. Transparency means let us see. Keep us informed. What the heck you're doing behind those closed doors? Quickly write the stolen when folks are low to sleep. God's strength is shown in a country that is free. We're taking back our country, and that's the fact. If it doesn't sound good to you. Let us help you pack. Yes, we're taking back our country. Old old glory high with strength in the wings. And the eagles gonna fly. We're going back to common sense. We're on the sea with pop. Where our voices are heard. And senators aren't bought. With not too much to say Our elected officials Have surely had their way Reckon they've forgotten Just who they're working for I'd like to take my boots And help them through the door We're taking back our country And that's the fact If it doesn't sound good to you Let us help you pack Yes, we're taking back our country Old old glory high Where the strength in the wings And the eagles don't fly We're going back to common sense Where honesty was taught Where our voices are heard And senators aren't bought <laughs> Joyce Schaefer from Colorado, guys. I've spoken to her. We've had her on the show before. She's just absolutely fabulous. So uh, that was a uh, comp- composition she wrote back in 2010. But now, by golly, we've got it done. You can contact her at JoyceUSA.net. JoyceUSA.net. Tell her you heard it here on the uh, Doc Green Show. And, uh, in fact, I'm going to try to get Joyce on the show because uh, she's got to be ecstatic at this point, just like most of us are. Most of us are. And also in the good news sector, one of the first actions that Barack and St. Obama, that uh, black Muslim homosexual uh, guy, did upon taking uh, residence in the White House was he got rid of the legendary... Prime Minister Winston Churchill bust from the Oval Office. And, of course, this move was viewed by both Americans and Brits alike as a slap in the face to America's closest ally, the United Kingdom. Well, now that uh, Barack and St. Obama is about to take his butt out of there, 
President-elect Donald Trump is preparing to move in, and it looks like the bust will be making a glorious re-entrance into the White House along with Brother Trump. Yes, indeed. Nigel Farage, one of our favorite people, the interim leader of the United Kingdom Independence Party, UKIP, promoter of Brexit, an outspoken Trump supporter, shared the news about Churchill's bust after a meeting with Trump in New York following his surprising victory. At the end of our time with Trump, we asked him if the bust of Sir Winston Churchill that Barack and St. Obama had removed from the Oval Office could be now put back in its rightful place. Donald Trump enthusiastically thought that was a great idea, need I say more. The excited Brit also noticed that Trump was, in his words, an Anglophile, who would immediately seek to improve relations between the United States and the U.K., relations that have slipped a bit during Barack Obama's, uh, I don't know, whatever you want to call that in office, but... Anyway, uh, Nigel said we also talked about the prospect of the United Kingdom being at the front of the queue, all of which was uh, received positively. In other words, uh, we should be looking on England as one of our greatest allies the way that it was supposed to be. I mean, let's face it, England is essentially the, the mother of the United States. Why would we not have great relationships with them? Well, perhaps one reason, because they've allowed Islam to completely take over and destroy England. But that aside, I, I, think, that, uh, I think that we should show respect to England. So this is great news for Americans and Brits who want to see the U.S. return to a more conservative-leaning stance and uh, allow the relations between the two countries to be restored as it once was. And the return of the bust is symbolic of both. Hope you guys will uh, spread the word on that because I thought it was just awesome. Now, Donald Trump is amazing in some other ways. For instance, he's going to become uh, one of a very discreet club. In fact, only two of the last 44 presidents belong in this club, and that is presidents that have decided to forego a salary while in office. Donald Trump said, "Look, by law, I got to take a dollar. I got to take a, some kind of salary, so I'm going to take a dollar a year." Leslie Stahl was a little surprised to find out Donald Trump was taking a job he didn't even know how much he paid because he didn't care about the pay. John F. Kennedy came from a dynasty so wealthy that it provided numerous generations of distant cousins, nephews, and grandnephews with enough money to maintain a steady stream of alcohol and controlled substances. So uh, President Kennedy, until now the wealthiest man to ever take office, always gave his salary to charity, whether he was in Congress, the Senate, or the White House. Herbert Hoover, while no Kennedy in terms of wealth, was no slouch either, best known somewhat speciously, as the president who led us into the Great Depression. According to the Independent Journal, Hoover was worth about $4 million back in 1913, which back in 1913, $4 million was some money, not like it is today, chump change. But uh, today that would be uh, probably somewhere around $100 million. He also donated his salary to charity, in addition used to using it to augment the wages of his staff. Estimations of Trump's Wealth very wildly, but he clearly doesn't need the money, and he's not going to make the American people pay for it, and, uh, and I think that is pretty darn cool.
Now, Russ has always said the Democrats are a lot more fun when they're out of power than when they're in power. And uh, Barbara Boxer, that uh, woman from California, soon to retire, thank God, as soon as Trump won, she has filed legislation to abolish the Electoral College, calling it an outdated, undemocratic system. Need I remind you that this is not a democracy. This is a representative republic. But she wants to eliminate the Electoral College. The reason why the Electoral College is important, I might add for you guys, is because without the Electoral College, anybody who wanted to be president would depend only upon New York City, L.A., and Miami. Nobody anyplace else would matter, not even in the states that those cities belong in. Nobody else would matter. We would have all presidents elected by a bunch of uh, city-dwelling socialists. The Electoral College requires, by its very nature, that a president appeal to all of the states of the Union. Hawaii, of course, not being particularly important, but all of the other states being very important. And for a while, even Texas was irrelevant because of the way they, they were selecting uh, the president by letting, like, tiny little New Hampshire and Iowa decide who the president was going to be. Barbara Boxer said, In my lifetime, I've seen two elections where the winner of the general election did not win the popular vote. When all the ballots are counted, Hillary Clinton will have won the popular vote by a margin that could exceed two million votes. Well, that's just absolutely not true. Hillary Clinton only won, only got as many votes as she did because of the huge amounts of voter fraud and the large numbers of illegal aliens that voted. At least 8% of the votes cast for Hillary were fraudulent votes that should never have been cast at all. Donald Trump won this thing by a huge margin, and I think if you got rid of all of the illegal votes, I think it's quite possible Donald Trump might have swept all 50 states. We may never see that again because I don't know if we can actually restore, uh, you know, any accuracy to our uh, to our uh, voting. But nonetheless, I, I just wanted to point out that it is not true that Hillary won the popular vote. Donald Trump won the popular vote, and he won the Electoral College. But uh, going back to uh, Senator Boxer. Uh, he said uh, Hillary Clinton is on track to have received more votes than any other presidential candidate in history except Barack Obama. Well, that's just not true, and that's a lie as well. This is the only office in the land where you can get more votes and still lose the presidency, said Barbara Boxer, the communist from California. She said the Electoral College is outdated and undemocratic and does not reflect modern society and needs to be changed immediately so that every American can be guaranteed their vote counts. Well, if you get rid of the Electoral College, that does exactly the opposite. It makes sure that only the votes of the three largest cities in the United States count, the population centers. Look, there are more people in my subdivision than there are in the entire state of Wyoming, I believe. might not be quite that, but it's close. So what? You want to make Wyoming totally irrelevant? What about their votes? Do their votes not count? What about New Mexico? Do their votes count? How about Colorado? Do their votes count? Because if you get rid of the Electoral College, I assure you that none of their votes count. 
Anyway, during his 60-minute interview, uh, Trump said his views on the Electoral College haven't changed. said, you know, I'm not going to change my mind just because I won. I'd rather see it where you went with simple votes. You know, you get 100 million votes, somebody else gets 90 million votes, you win. Well, thank you, Donald Trump. But nonetheless, you are wrong on this one. The Electoral College does matter. The Electoral College is important. And that law should be put, placed on the scrap heap of history and not even considered. And finally, in the it's getting out of hand section, we have several hundred people standing around at the Capitol, and they're chanting, standing with Standing Rock, as they march through downtown Austin to protest the Dakota Access Oil Pipeline. The demonstrators were supporting the Standing Rock Sioux and other tribes and environmental groups and communists that have been protesting the pipeline project at the confluence of the Cannonball and Missouri River since April. Starting at the Texas Capitol grounds, they marched to the Wells Fargo Tower on 2nd Street in Congress and continued to the Chase Building at 6th in Colorado to protest the bank's investment into the pipeline, which is going to create thousands of American jobs. And uh, the you know oil creates a lot of things besides gasoline. I mean, you, they make a lot of clothes out of oil. For instance, uh, almost everything on my desk is plastic, is made out of oil. The protest led the Austin police to do rolling closures along Congress Avenue, 6th, Lavaca, and 11th Street during rush hour. Closures have become a common sight in the last seven days following several local protests against the election of Donald Trump. No violence occurred, no arrests were made. Organizers focused on the message urging support for the efforts against the pipeline in North Dakota sending a message that the rest of the country is with them, said UT senior Sissy Jiang. The Dakota Access Oil Pipeline would deliver oil from North Dakota through South Dakota and Iowa to a shipping point in Illinois. It'll run beneath the Missouri River Reservoir in North Dakota that provides drinking water to Standing Rock Sioux, among other people, which says the pipeline threatens their drinking water and cultural sites. i got to tell you that most of the pipeline breaks that have occurred recently were caused by people, not by actual manufacturer or anything like that. The only thing you got to worry about is these earth terrorists, I guess. But anyway, this is getting out of hand. When we're having this sort of uh, demonstration in Austin, for crying out loud. This thing drew several hundred people. I mean, more people showed up for this than, than show up for any... Uh, any conservative uh, operation, like even when we went to the Capitol and had a concert and brought in a real band and a bunch of major national speakers, uh, we didn't get near this many people that showed up for this thing. But I think a lot of these college students don't have jobs, and therefore um, they got time to go do this. So uh, it is getting out of hand. I think it's about time for us to... Stand up and say no more. Let's go ahead and move America forward. And that brings me to this song about oil, because they found an incredible amount of oil here in Texas, just a ridiculous amount, more recoverable oil in West Texas than anyone ever thought. They figure that there's, there's at least 20 billion more, billion with a B, barrels of oil underneath the Midland area. It's the largest discovery of uh, recoverable crude ever. U.S. Geological Survey did it. 
They found that the Wolfcamp Shale geological formation in the Midland area holds at least 20 billion barrels of accessible oil and 16 trillion cubic feet of natural gas. That's right, more natural gas than than our national debt. That's amazing. That's three times higher than the amount of recoverable crude found in the Bakken Three Forks region in the upper Midwest, making it the largest estimated continuous oil accumulation that they have ever assessed in the United States. Guys, this is good news. So i got to play you this song here, Little Tower of Power. It has nothing... I mean, the song's completely wrong, but it's a great song and it applies. I'm playing this song for you to help you to understand how liberals know nothing. Political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. 
Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Adisk, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events. Today is Wednesday, November 16th, 2016. Good afternoon, Al. Hello, Melody. Wendy Wilson will be joining us in just a few short moments, minutes. Uh, right after we do the market report here today, and still a little pressure on gold, not bad, down three sixty three dollars and sixty cents gold holding at twelve twenty five eighty silver down point one three at seventeen o three platinum is up six at nine hundred and forty eight and palladium is trading up twelve at seven hundred and twenty one dollars. You have the USDX today, of course, uh, still showing strength, up 0.24, holding that 100 level, 100.42. Pressure on crude oil today, down 0.36 at 45.45. And the paper markets today, we saw some, if you want to call it pressure, but big deal, the Dow. (laughs) was down 54 points, 18,868. The NASDAQ was up 5,294. The NASDAQ is playing a little bit of 
catch up. And the S&P basically unchanged down three points at 21.76. I'm interested to see what the 10-year yield is here. 2.22% uh, on the 10-year yield, down 0 0.01. You have the euro, 107. And again, just uh, the only one that had any performance overnight was really Japan, was up a little over 1%, no big deal there. A uh, little bit of pressure on the rest of the European and Asian markets. 1-800-375-4188 for all your gold and silver coin needs. We'd like to welcome Wendy Wilson to the program from Apothecary Herbs. Good afternoon, Wendy. Good afternoon, Melody, and hello, Al. Hey, I thought we were talking about frequent fevers today because I was recently asked what it could mean for anyone, specifically a woman, to have frequent fevers. And, you know, after a woman seeks medical attention and has a few tests, they, she still may not know what's going wrong. And a lot of times there's a low level of concern for medicine regarding unknown reasons for fevers that don't involve infectious disease. So women are most likely, you know, told it could be due to pre- or post-menopause, and let's just see if it goes away. What other reasons, though, could there be for any unknown fever? Well, actually, it's been documented, um, and it's real important for us to listen to the body, even on these very subtle symptoms, no matter how insignificant they seem, we shouldn't dismiss a symptom because it may just be a nuisance because it's not heavily impacting our daily function. But in 1907, a Boston, Massachusetts doctor by the name of Dr. Richard Cabot, he was at Boston's General Hospital. He actually wrote about a few cases of fevers of unknown origins, and his report was titled, The Three Long-Continued Fevers of New England. Then in 1952, Dr. Paul Beeson of Yale University, he also published a series of writings on unexplained fevers. He wrote that what appeared to be you know, healthy people who exhibited temperatures that slightly exceeded normal range. And, you know, he had trouble finding the cause, which he referred to as those cases as, quote, habitual hyperthermia. So physicians of the 50s, 1950s, they had this long list of possible causes for this kind of fever, some of which were infectious diseases like tuberculosis, um, but most had obscure diagnoses, and it seemed didn't point to anything, and that bothered doctors. Well, maybe they just weren't looking in the right place. So while the doctors were looking for infectious diseases, they didn't suspect that the cause to be fungus, which has recently been identified as a possible cause for cancer. So lymphoma can easily occur, as well as other forms of cancers like Hodgkin's disease or lupus. So if, the, if there's a clinical fever and it's from fungus, it can actually eventually carry with it the following symptoms, weight loss, inflamed liver, enlarged lymph nodes, pancreatitis, elevated liver enzymes, anemia, night sweats and shaking chills, brachycardia, which is low heart rate, and aches in the joints. So what doctors have since detected is that Typically, half the patients with unknown fevers turn out to be from infectious diseases, and the other half due to underlying malignancy of some kind of cancer. 
So if the fever is due to an infection, a gram-negative bacterial blood test can usually spot it. If a gram-negative fungi test is used, it may spot a malignancy. So if the fungus is present, doctors will also order CT scans, biopsies of tissue, organs, and even some bone samples. Does anybody have any questions? What does this have to do with pH? I think I've heard that fungus, I'm not sure if I've heard of this or does fungus well, function in the, when your pH is off in your body and is sodium bicarbonate? I, I, soda, I, is it helpful in this regard? Does it, does it stop fungus or uh, I think not? you may. Are you confusing fungus with candida yeast? yeast well, like I, I might be confusing the two, but candida, I don't know. If I had to guess off the top of my head without knowing, I, I would have guessed that candida is a kind of fungus. Uh, Specific well, kind? Am I mistaken? Well, it's, a, it, it, it's it's close, but no cigar. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, because if it is yeast, yeast loves a an alkaline environment. Doesn't like acids. Um, and then if it's if it's fungus, people say, well, you don't want to have acids because you know cancer likes uh, an uh, uh, an acidity of uh, environment. So go more alkaline. So there there's two different things going on there. <laughs> One likes alkalinity, one doesn't. Um, so, well, if we look at the fungus, the fungi, and it, it, we can find other names for it, Al and Melody, such as mildew. And mildew has long been referred to as a mold or a blight. And a blight, we often think of that as a disease or pest that affects plants and crops, but it really can affect any living thing, and it can cause it to wither and die. So a blight is a disease that causes decay, therefore mildew is a pestilence. In 2012, the notion that cancer was caused by fungus was published by Dr. Mark Circus. He was an acupuncturist. However, physicians of the 50s had kind of already suspected that fungus may be the cause and many cancers um, that they couldn't explain, but no research was really being taken seriously then. However, the Israelites of the Exodus knew what the ancient plagues were and mildew was one of them. So Israel was told of all the blessings for obedience and the curses for disobedience, and you can read about it in Deuteronomy 28. Mm -hmm. A little snapshot of that, the Lord said, I shall make the pestilence cleave to you until it's consumed you from off the land where you go to possess it. Uh, the Lord said, I will smite thee with consumption and with fever and with inflammation and with extreme burning and with the sword and with blasting and with mildew to pursue you until you perish. So then if you go on to verses 59 and 61, it says, The Lord will make thy plagues and the plagues of thy seed great, the plagues of long continuance. However, he shall bring upon you the diseases of Egypt, which thou art afraid of, but also every sickness of every plague, which is not written of in this book. So if we think about this, we live in times where plagues, about five per year, new ones, are discovered, or should I say created, by science. And we may not have, they, the Israelites may not have known what they were because these are new. So this would be the plagues not written of in the Bible and would affect the descendants and anyone um, that God felt was a disobedience to his ways. And we also know that people that suffer from cancer, what do they have? They have a long battle or a long continuance with it, do they not? Yeah, it, does yeah. Seem, it seems to be that way. Yeah. So uh, now let's look at, um, according to the Cancer Institute, the cancer rates, 
the Cancer Institute, the World Cancer Research Fund International. In 2015, they listed the top 10 countries with the highest cancer or mildew fungus rates. Uh, Denmark was at the top of the list, then France, Australia, Belgium, Norway, the USA, Ireland, Republic of Korea, Netherlands, and New Caledonia, which is close to Australia. So I would caution anyone with fever of unknown origins, you know, which is just a few degrees past 98.6 that may be intermittent, you know, may come and go and may not have any other symptoms associated with it other than you have a fever. Um, So we also know that the immune system is our natural guard against diseases such as cancer. So I suspect that uh, when you start to develop this fungus cancer issue, the immune system is encountering a few isolated cancer cells, and then it turns the fever mechanism on. So it normally takes a billion cancer cells in one spot to show up uh, the size of a pencil tip on an X-ray or a study. So in ancient times, anyone with plague, guess what? They were considered unclean. They were isolated, and their home was torn down and burned. That yeah. was their that was their way of cleansing. But today, mm-hmm. we can actually cleanse the body from the inside, try to avoid a lot of this disease, including fungus issues. So um, if fungus is a concern, uh, personally, I would do, you know, the entire organ cleanse system. So you want to cleanse in the right order, bowel, then finish with blood systems. So there's bowel, urinary, uh, liver, gallbladder, and then blood system is always last. So the blood system is real important to sweep the blood of any cancer cells that may be floating around. And uh, so you can learn how to do that. We we show people how to do that. It's a cleanse and nourish kind of a approach. Medicine doesn't do that. Uh, there's no toxicity there. It's just nutrition and a detoxing process. Uh, also, I would... I would add some dandelion root because Windsor Medical University uh, out of Quebec, Canada, Dr. Carolyn Hamm and Miriam Pandy uh, did some research, and uh, they found that dandelion root kills all known cancer cells. So, I mean, and that grows everywhere, dandelion root. (laughs) So, And they just noticed it on leukemia patients who were just drinking the tea. So imagine what you can do with an aged tincture, right? Sounds good. I know. So there's lots All this of- time we've been prying those dandelion roots out of the lawn and digging them out and poisoning them on whatever. Yeah, a little roundup, and, huh? I uh, know. <laughs> I know. Well, and dandelion is cultivated all over the globe. I mean, it, it goes everywhere. I mean, as kids, you'd pick the little thing, uh, flowers yeah, and you'd blow on little it. white seeds. Yep. And, of course, That's- your parents yell at you because it was in the lawn then. But... Um, yeah, it's it's just amazing. God has given us all the tools that we need, um, and if we just pay attention, um, and and don't let it go to last minute. I don't know how many times I've had people that call up and they're on the precipice, you know, and they just let it go so far, and it's really a struggle, and more of a struggle. It's ten times harder then. So uh, the moment you notice imbalance, you know, pay attention. Their body's communicating uh, to you, right? I agree with you. You know, one of the one of the other points that comes out of this is in the Old Testament when they had this black mold or whatever uh, mildew uh, attacking their homes, they took the house down and burned it. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And it gives us, you have to be grateful essentially to the, to the wife, the homemaker, whoever, who's cleaning the house. Because I have to assume 
but the mildew is more likely in a house that hasn't been properly cleaned. Or it could and be it could be from a house that wasn't properly constructed because um, I took an acro- um, um, a class in architecture once, and um, they noticed when they took commercial um, applications for building, like stucco, and they okay. applied it to residential. It didn't work well in residential for some reason, and mold would grow in between the walls. And so they had to they had to change the way they applied it to residential homes compared to commercial. And I don't know what the big change was, uh, but I just remember sitting in class thinking about that. Um, so, it, you know, it just depends. You know, do you have proper drainage in the house, around the house? So can, it has, do you have leaking pipes? Are you keeping yeah, so the place be, clean? Right, maintenance and, and cleanliness and, of course, uh, construction, you know, if it was built mm-hmm. properly. So I think people just, um, and they are, people were all affected by our surroundings tremendously, you know. Clutter even stresses people out. So um, I think if we just do our due diligence and pay attention. Um, I did receive this wonderful um, note from a, a doctor, a medical doctor in Blytheville, Arkansas. His name's Dr. Michael Munhill. He writes me and says, as an alternative physician, I have access to and constantly compare herbal tinctures from all over the world. Your product are high quality. Please don't ever change the quality. I choose apothecary herbs for the quality and unique, uniqueness of their formulations, which I am very, very grateful to have. That. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. So, high praise. Well, and it's high a, praise, and from someone not just who uses a product but is capable of analyzing a product. I know. We had um, one other guy that kind of used a um, light spectrometer. Uh, he kind of had his own little a lab going, and he, he wrote me a couple of years back, and we did post his comment up on our website, too. He says, you have a lot of uh, energy in your formulas. It shows through in the light that he can, he can measure. And, um, and I think a lot of it comes down to we make tinctures like they made during Jesus' time. We naturally age it. We cold press it. We don't use any kind of contraption heat sources that would, you know, hasten the whole process. It's called forced extraction if you hasten the process. So I think that makes a big difference because when you heat something, it changes it chemically. Yeah, yeah it has to. Yeah. It has to, and, uh, and that it's, it's not surprising that if it's been heated, it's yep. going to diminish potency yep. and, and so on. Um, I, I didn't realize that you were actually making your own product, or at least in many instances making your own product. Right. Yeah, um, all the herb products we make, we do have a few things we get from other people, like um, you know the the pet collars and the shampoo and the natural uh, de- deodorant crystals. You know, we order that from other companies that are really fabulous. But our herbal formulas are ours. Um, yeah, we 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 make about a hundred different formulations and products here. Where do you get the uh, Where do you get the, the original the original dandelion root, for example. I don't imagine you're just pulling it out of your own lawn. No, we don't I'm have I'm going to imagine you're buying the root from someplace or right. plant or whatever. Only, yeah, we don't have the space uh, to, for acres and acres of all the wonderful herbs. We wish we did. But um, there are a few uh, herb farms still in the United States that cultivate uh, really top quality, tilt standard quality herbs. Um, one of them, or two of them, are on the West Coast, and one of them is in the mountains here of North Carolina, a very small family-owned farm, but they have really great stuff. So we're very picky about it. Um, 
we make sure it's cultivated and harvested here. Till standards means that it was grown on land that has rested five years for the minerals to build back up, and there's been no chemical or fertilizers used on that land. So um, typically, herbs from uh, that caliber cost several uh, well, you know, it depends on what it is, but typically anywhere from $35 to $55 a pound for a really good quality herb. And, of course, if you got something over-harvested like American ginseng, we're up to almost $200 a pound. All right. Why don't you give us some contact information, Wendy, and let people know where they can reach out to learn well, more. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, you give us a call at 866-229-3663, 866 thepowerherbs.com, and we're starting our 20% off Black Friday special starting Saturday. All right, the Black Friday special is starting on Saturday. Absolutely. Uh, all right, I'm, we'll have to talk about that next Thursday, I guess, or next Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, thank you, Wendy. Always interesting. That's this Wendy Wilson from thepowerherbs.com at 866-229-3663. Melody and I will be right back. Please stay tuned to Financial Survival. You just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called and you're potentially involved in a homicide, but it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can and will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have selfdefensefund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit selfdefensefund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Survival brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver. What's next, Melody? 
I just want to remind the listeners to give us a call at 1-800-375-4188, same number that you just repeated, Al, and to visit our website at dgscoins.com, dgscoins.com. Make sure you sign up for our weekly newsletter, and we're in the process of redesigning the website, so if you see changes and, you know, if something isn't working, just uh, let me know, and um, um I'll make the announcement when we actually let it go live. So it's it's uh, this is my third website. I think the first one I had out it was the most I was it was probably the most beautiful website on the internet. I mean it was a very pretty website, and but you have to update and they get old. People get tired of looking at the same thing and. So we move on. So this is the third one, and particularly for someone who's not uh, fond of the Internet. That would be you. That would be me. Uh-huh. Having a third new website is something of a... It's character building. <laughs> I guess it's yeah. something. It's one of those things that you build character <laughs> by increasing, going deeper and deeper into the Internet. <laughs> it's like it's like going to King Solomon's mine in the movie or something like that. I mean, you go deeper and deeper into the jungle. Um, you're going to get into Twitter. You're going to get into social media more now. It's a new website, if I understand correctly. Isn't that true? That is true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what I like about Twitter or Tweet or whatever you call it. Yeah, Tweet, Twitter, whatever. You're, all, you're limited to just a very small yeah, but you get lots of them. They're not very large, but you get lots of them. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm looking forward. It's like a swarm of mosquitoes. They're not very big, but collectively, oh, you know. My favorite will be idiot. <laughs> no, but I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun at the same time, uh, productive, and uh, we'll be able to continue to provide uh, the website visitors with Great prices and specials, so I'm getting excited about that. There was just this article it's from the Mirror. Everyone knows who Professor Stephen Hawking is, and he says that humans will be wiped out in a thousand years unless we find a new At most. planet. At most, yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't think finding in the new planet is going to be helpful unless they totally, well, we even see it if we go nuclear. I mean, it, things do get rebuilt. So I understand that, but I think I, I saw the article. I didn't read it myself, I didn't but I, I saw the same thing. I'm not sure what all his rationalization is for this, but he's he's essentially, he's, he's, in, he's saying extinction. Within a thousand years, and he doesn't say at a thousand years. He says within a thousand years, and he's essentially saying that so much damage. I assume he's saying that so much damage is being done by people to the planet that we won't be able to survive here much longer. Now that's hard for me to believe, uh, and I have a hard time believing that he says it's going to be an extinction event. I can I can understand that in theory, a lot of people could die. I can understand that the population could be dramatically diminished, but I have a very difficult time believing that the world, the world itself could be 
essentially wiped out and rendered uninhabitable based on human activities. I agree with you. I mean, this is a big planet. And, and it heals itself. I mean, and we it see things like, like the 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 uh, volcano that erupted Mount St. Helens, if I recall correctly, in Washington. My recollection, Washington or Oregon, one or the other, but up in the Northwest, they, that just devastated, you know, square miles. And yet, in a relatively short period of time, life life comes back. Um, same thing with forest fires; things get just destroyed. And yet, in a short period of time, life renews. We had atomic bombs go off in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and in a very beautiful short city. period of time, they are rebuilt into stunningly beautiful cities. I mean, it took yes. prosperity and whatever to do that. But nevertheless, the point is, this world is a lot more resilient, I think, than perhaps some people believe. Now, Hawkins is no dummy, and he, you know, if he says thousand years is the maximum we're going to live. It's something I guess you could consider, especially if you think you're going to be here a thousand years from now. But uh, it's interesting. It's interesting seeds for thought. Well, I think also, yes, the earth heals itself and we have changes and we adapt to various situations and so forth, pretty much what you explained. But I don't know if perhaps his Reasoning has something to do with maybe a meteor, you well, know, maybe mathematical. You know, if you do, you know, mathematical terms and you know, so yeah, forth, but even that, so many it wipes out, you know, the, dinosaur. out the dinosaur. Uh, except, except for the alligators. You know, if you're in your swimming pool when the meteor hits, maybe you'll be okay. Um, maybe you'll evolve into into an alligator or something like that. But it didn't kill all life. No, and it's. Even though it wiped out the uh, the dinosaurs, uh, I don't I don't even know that the dinosaurs died overnight per se. I mean, I, I'm sure they didn't all die the same day, but that was even that was a, a fairly lengthy process that, that went on over a period of years. I'm not convinced. I know I know media would change things dramatically. There could be shift in geopolitical power. Nations, some nations could be destroyed, and some could begin to rise. But I'm still inclined to think that there would be survivors. And uh, if you want to finish this off, I think the sun has to erupt. If the sun blows up, yeah, okay, you better be on another planet and another solar system. But barring an explosion of the sun. I don't anticipate an extinction event within a thousand years, <laughs> and I'm prepared to bet that I'm right. Anyone who wants to send me a hundred dollars, I'll hold it, and then we'll get together in a thousand years and <laughs> see whether or not I get to keep it, or if you, uh, or if I have to give it back to you. But well, let's get back to something that's a little more. Here's India. We got a couple of stories on currency. Got a couple okay. of stories on currency. Here's India's great rupee <laughs> fail. From Bloomberg, one week after India's sudden declaration that 500 and 1,000 rupee notes were no longer legal tender, the economy is in chaos. Now, the story is India, well, let me just continue reading here. The policy was designed to control India's black money problem. And this first seemed to be a masterstroke by Prime Minister Narendra Modi. Now it looks like a grave miscalculation. When they're talking about black money, they sell this to the public and say, we've got to wipe out the two 
biggest currency sizes, denominations at 500 rupee and 1,000 rupee notes, and they had to do that, and they call it a black money problem, and they're alleging that criminals have been storing their loot, all right, in these large, in these comparatively large notes. And so they said they're no longer legal tender. And it means you had to take them in and swap them, and you had to give a record of them and whatever. And I think the real problem was not that they were dealing with criminals, per se. That may have been part of the problem. But the problem is that India is a country that tends to hoard wealth. The problem, they've, one of the problems they've got is everybody is, uh, they, they, the women are bedazzled or bedecked in, in, uh, in gold. They invest in gold, they put it in jewelry, they hold it, they save it, and they do the same thing with cash. And I think what, what I suspect that what's really going on is the Prime Minister of India is said, okay, we're going to make these 500 rupee notes and 1,000 rupee notes, they're no longer legal tender, in order to force that cash out of its hidey hole where the hoarders have been storing it and get it back into circulation. I suspect that was the real motivation. They say this get to criminals, uh, you know, maybe, but I don't think so. I don't think that's that's the primary motivation. Uh, Prime Minister Modi is beginning to sound like he may agree that he made a grave miscalculation. His recent speeches on the subject have been bizarre. In one, he seemed to laugh at those inconvenienced by the ban. In another, he broke down while speaking about the sacrifices he'd made for India and warned that he might be assassinated by forces desperate to protect their loot. All right? He's flipping out, and what I suspect is that Modi is looking at this fiat currency system in, in India, trying to make sense of it, trying to get control of it. And I think, I mean, if you stare at the monetary system, if you really... It takes effort. It takes effort and it takes a certain amount of even courage to look at the monetary system and, and say, oh, my God, what the heck have these people done? I mean, I'm sure he, he, they're running. They don't, their, their currency is not backed by gold. They have a debt-based fiat currency just like we do here in the United States. And Modi is apparently trying to get the Indian people to stop saving so much of their currency. That's the way it reads to me. Um, and in the process, I think, you look at that money, it drives you crazy. You wonder, how, my God, how could people have been so stupid? And now that we're caught in this mess, what do we do to get out? This isn't something where we can just, oh, fiat currency. Huh. <laughs> it, it, I guess that was a mistake, so now we'll just go back to gold and silver. Well, we may be going back to gold and silver, but we aren't getting back there painlessly. You knock out that fiat currency, you knock out all of the paper wealth in this country. People, stocks and bonds and, and savings accounts and the rest of that. What do you do with these things? The dislocation, here they're talking about India. They've only knocked these notes out. They've been something like a week that they haven't had their 500,000 rupee notes. And the economy, is they describe it as in chaos. Um, it says, according to the article continues, it says 80, 86% of India's currency is no longer valid. All right? The new notes, they're printing new notes to replace the ones that they got rid of, but they made a little mistake. They are the wrong size for existing ATMs. Nobody bothered to think about that. They said, well, we'll make the new notes, and they'll be a different size from the old notes. Oh, well, that's a, so we don't get them confused. 
All right, great, except for one little detail. You can't run them in the existing ATMs. Now what are they going to do? Large parts of the rural economy use cash in 80% of their transactions. They've been hard hit. Seafood, uh, Med, West Bengal, for example, the fishing industry is in a state of near collapse. This is one week without their cash transactions. The wheat-growing states of the Northwest, farmers halfway through the sowing season, have run out of cash to buy seeds. <clears throat> There's a lesson here, and the lesson is, you know, we hear there's a war on cash, and that the governments of the world would like to get rid of the cash and get everybody using little digital cards. Well, maybe that'll happen and maybe it won't happen, but there's a lesson here. You can't just get rid of your cash and just, just say, hey, that's it, we're done with cash, and we're, all, we're going all digital starting tomorrow at noon. This is, a, this is an incredible step. It's been attempted in India, at least to some degree, and they blew it, all right? They're in chaos over this, and what are they, how, are, how will it be resolved? <clears throat> By printing notes that are the wrong size? I mean, there's, a, there's an element of stupidity. There's an element of ignorance. Um, I, it's hard to, hard to know what to say, how to describe this, but you can't just wipe out the cash. That's the implication. I'm not saying you can't get rid of it. I'm not saying we're not going to see a time when virtually everything is done in digital transactions. I won't say that it can't happen, but once we get trapped in this fiat currency, once they get that going and you store your wealth in that, you can't get rid of that fiat currency. You know, one of the things that's in this article, let me see if I can find it here. Here it is. Meanwhile, the amount of black money that will eventually be recovered uh, estimates of the amount of black money that will eventually be recovered very widely. The optimists wrongly think enough cash will be destroyed by hoarders that the central bank will be able to pay a hefty dividend to the government. Now, even in the best case scenario, I'm reading from this article, I'm not, this isn't my comment, that a significant proportion of the outstanding currency is destroyed. They're describing that as the best case scenario. What are they talking about? They're going to destroy cash? Destroy it. Not just take it in and trade it out. They figure to destroy it. This is lunacy because a lot of people are saving in cash. They're going to destroy their savings. Well, the, the lesson here is there's a kind of madness going on in India, and it's not something that's simply, in my opinion, it's not simply a function of uh, the Indians are going getting a little goofy. The, the problem is they're, take, they're, they're trying to meddle with, improve on the fiat currency, and all it's doing is this This is not easily done. Yes, Melody? Oh, if the cash has been destroyed... That's what they say. They in the have no idea what amount of funds is... I mean, they pretty much have just destroyed... You can't There's destroy system. cash. Oh, I understand. I mean, my I mean they could collapse I mean, India. I this mean, could collapse. we keep track of our cash. <laughs> you know, this could much. collapse India into a depression. I mean, no one knows. Yeah, you know, I was just going to say, well, this is deflationary. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, well, I got a brilliant idea. We're going to just destroy everybody's cash. Yeah, see? I mean, there's in no order to move everybody into debit cards or credit cards or there's whatever. No, there's no way to really? say, well, we had, you know, $50 billion is circulating in cash. Now we only have $40 billion. They They can't even... No, it's like ten billion. It's like going from fifty to ten, not fifty to forty. I know, but it's my like going example is they can't even calculate. I know. They can't I know the whole calculate. thing is just bizarre. It is bizarre. It is. I don't know what's going on there in India, and I'm not sure that anyone can can come up with a rational explanation. People are making incredible mistakes. But my point point to doing this in part was simply to say, look. You got to hang on to you. Uh, cash is not going to completely disappear anytime soon. I don't doubt that it will become less and less common. I don't doubt that they want to get rid of it. But I don't expect to see us go to an all digital monetary system anytime soon. And even if we do, we've we've had article after article that we talk about on this program on how easy it is for hackers to break in and steal millions. Thousands, millions of database information or identity devices, they can disappear all at once. Uh, you can't store wonder, your money, dig your wealth digitally and I expect wonder, it to be safe. I wonder how much uh, this will affect the wedding season in India. I don't know. Because I don't know. The whole thing is crazy. The, this is the wedding season, which gold is a very big part of oh, yeah. the season. Yeah. I understand. We're going to take a break for a couple commercials. Melody and I will be right back on Financial Survival. Please stay tuned. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188 That's 800-375-4188 Protect yourself and your family.
Gladys here with Melody Cedarstrom on financial survival. We're just talking about the problems they're having with fiat currency, paper currency in India. They're trying to burn some of it and, and install new paper currency. I don't know. Maybe they can. The whole thing is insane. Um, but I do think it is an important an important uh, uh, component of the possibility that the price of gold. The, the, the pressure that we've seen in gold when it actually should be rising considering all the discussions in mainstream media is pushing about higher inflation. Gold should also uh, be going higher, but this could be a component of the wedding season and no one buying gold, the, 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 the purchasing of gold. So it'll be interesting to see the numbers coming out of India of uh, how much gold they have purchased in this last quarter. I got another here article along the same along the same line. China weakens yuan, the Chinese currency, to eight year low. China on Tuesday weakened the yuan. So much for the IMF. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. Against the dollar to to a nearly eight year low as the surging dollar put further pressure on the yuan complicating Beijing's efforts to manage it. People's Bank of uh, China set to value the yuan, also known as renminbi at 6.8495 to the greenback uh, dollar, down 0.3%, three-tenths of a percent from Monday. A right, couple of days, three-tenths of a percent. Uh, uh, they are tracking this or say this is happening because the dollar is going higher. All right? Dollar, so as we mentioned at the beginning of the program, we're up over 100 on the U.S. dollar index. For the, they've had two other instances last year when it was briefly up over 100 but the last time it was persistently over 100 you got to go back to 2003 we are at record high levels for the dollar that's evidence of the dollar growing in value that's evidence of deflation and it corresponds to china saying they're having big time inflation and we're i, I think i said let me let me say it correctly. If I if I misstated, China is suffering significant inflation uh, that's on at an eight year low for the value of the Chinese currency. At the same time, the dollar is at a thirteen year high. All right, this is not this is this is not a surprise to me. This is consistent with an idea I've been talking about on this program and writing about for the last I don't know almost of a year. The idea that the dollar sits in a teeter-totter relationship with the balance of the fiat currencies in the world. And the reason for that is that the dollar at least was the only world, was the primary world reserve currency. And when it sits, and based on that classification, the dollar sits on one end of the teeter-totter and the other, the balance of the fiat currencies sit at the other end. And if they collectively go up in value and suffer a deflation, the dollar goes down and is inflated. It is devalued. When the dollar goes up, the foreign currencies go down. I'm looking at this as not the dollar going up. I don't see it as a cause. I see that foreign countries want their currency to be inflated. They believe it will stimulate their economy. They want inflation. China's getting inflation. If China gets inflation, it's got an eight-year, they're, they're, they're inflated, their value relative to the dollar is at an eight-year low. At the same time, the dollar is at a 13-year high. 
All right. And the Bank of England is doing something similar. Um, article from the AFP, it says, Bank of England boss warns of rising inflation on Brexit hit pound. Um, Bank of England chief Mark Carney warned Tuesday that the U.K. inflation could rebound in the coming months as Brexit-fueled slump in the pound sparks price hikes. They're getting inflation in England and saying, oh, no, save us. In fact, it's what they want. Most of the countries, certainly exporting countries, they want inflation. It gives them a competitive advantage um, in, in the international market. They can essentially sell their products at lower prices to foreign countries. They want inflation. England is getting it. If the idea that inflation will stimulate your economy is valid, England's economy should actually be, it should benefit from the Brexit moving out of there, moving out of its association with the European Union and the pound losing value, being inflated. And this is another one of the currencies that are inflating, like the Chinese yuan. At the same time, the dollar is deflating, I ask if you can believe what we see in the U.S. dollar index. And for me, this is evidence that this notion I've been advancing for the last 6 to 12 months, teeter-totter, dollar on one side, foreign currencies on the other end, this is a danger of having these fiat currencies, and especially being the world reserve currency. It worked for us for a number of years. Now it's going to work against us. It's going to hurt us. It's going to hurt the economy. <clears throat> It is another evidence, and this, if the dollar is going higher, then the price of gold is going lower. All right? And if it's happening, and I'm reading this, foreign countries are doing inflation, they have, they're inflating their currencies, dollar as world reserve currency necessarily at the other end of the teeter-totter, it must gain value. As it does, the price of gold is inclined to, to fall. So what we're looking here, Melody was talking about earlier in the program, this is all part and parcel. Gold has suffered a certain amount. We've had, you know, in the last in the last month or so, gold is down. I don't know, eighty, ninety dollars. I don't think it's a hundred yet. Uh, but still, this is part of it. Foreign countries' currencies, you know, they're 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 inflating as world reserve currency. The relationship is there. It puts pressure. It's not an absolute relationship where you put your thumb on the on the scale on one end and the other end rises up exact. But eventually it'll break. Still. Oh, yeah. The whole I mean, thing is crazy. I mean, and here's and the thing about it. And that's, that's the problem with the markets that we have today. I mean, they'll attach themselves to something, and then something will happen somewhere. Maybe it is India, and the cycle can be broken. So because we don't have a – we don't follow our monetary – Policies. We don't follow we can't the system with, with that the we should. And that's what I mean. We shouldn't. Now, if we were on a fiat, I mean, if we were on a, a gold back, mm-hmm. gold back system, then you can count on the various markets performing and acting in the manner in which they should. Yeah. You yeah. wouldn't have these tethered huge to reason. Tethered to reason, not political gyrations. promises. Yeah. So, rational so this is why it is difficult to forecast, to yep. make real predictions. Not but, stupid predictions but, that but. these analysts make that oh, gold's going to be twenty thousand by the end of the year. No, those are those are not predictions. But and that's why we don't know when the time is going to happen but, uh, when the system the purges. When 
we can see, everyone listening to the program can understand that if we go into a period of inflation, which even our government wants, we got the Federal Reserve saying we got to have at least 2% inflation. The government wants at least 2% inflation. We want inflation. We're not necessarily getting what we want, but we want it, or at least they claim to want it. If we go into inflation, price of gold is going up. But you could sit back and, and conclude that if we go into deflation, the price of gold is going to go down, and there is some truth to that. But there's also one other truth about deflation. It is ruinous for debtors. Right? Everyone, that, and the point then, and the government is the biggest debtor in the world. If we go into enough deflation, it will make it impossible for government to pay its bills. When that happens, I won't say that the dollar will necessarily die, but everybody is going to be in chaos, and we are going to be screaming for a way to protect our wealth, and it's likely to be gold. Right? From my perspective, gold is going to be valuable if we go into extreme and significant inflation. It will also be valuable if we go into significant deflation. It's going to increase either way because both of these phenomena put stress on the fiat dollar and or the debtor government that they can't deal with. The purchasing power will be protected whether it's inflationary or deflationary. I understand. We're going to get both. We're just not sure if it's going to be deflation first, then inflation, or inflation and then deflation. I think it will be inflation first. Um, Probably. But Probably, and then hyperinflation, and if it does, that kills and, and the dollar. Then, and, you know, and then we'll go into, but and that's why you own gold, because it protects the purchasing power in either scenario, and that's why it's so important. That's why you don't pay attention to, to people, oh, it's going to 700 Well, you know what? Oh, it's going to 10000 Well, that's just great. But that's not the real reason why you own gold and silver. And there's various fundamentals to both. This is what you need to follow, and you have to stay focused. And we're going through a period of time where the markets are, to me, I think what we've experienced in the past days and weeks is a sign of just how fragile the system oh, no. is. Crazy. It's irrational. It's irrational. irrational. Yeah. I mean, the Indians are trying to devise programs that will make people burn their cash. They destroy they their cash. I, I mean, I just, the world has gone mad. And the madness, in my opinion, traces back to using the idea that you can have a debt-based monetary system. It's crazy. It's crazy. You understand? And the guy, the prime minister of India, he's going nuts. He's flipping out, trying to deal with it. And so will everyone else, unless you kind of get hold of the idea that, look, this fiat monetary system is going to blow up. They always do, all right? And we may not be very far from it. And what's going to replace it? Uh, some people are saying, oh, they're going to have special drawing rights from the International Monetary Fund, and that'll replace the, that'll replace the fiat dollar. I'm looking at it, and I say, that's just another fiat currency replacing an existing cur fiat currency or backing up an existing fiat currency. I don't think it's going to work. It might huh. work temporarily, but you're not going to use more fiat to back up the existing fiat that's already failing. It isn't going to work for long. It might work for a little while. It's not going to work for long. We are going back to a gold and or silver-based monetary system. And the thing it may not, I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's out, got to happen. It's the only way it makes sense. It's not going to be, okay, folks, we're going back to a gold-based system. No, folks. 
they, it will be forced upon you. Oh, yeah. So it isn't, it isn't going to be selective. Uh-huh. It isn't going to be, okay, we're going to change our monetary policy today. Uh-uh. You won't know it, and it's going to happen to the same. You're going to wake up one day. You've got 10 days to turn in those dollars or whatever, if you have 10 days. And if you turn in 10 of those dollars, we're going to give you three. Yeah. So how about how do you like you that? Three new dollars. And but if you go past dollars. that deadline, just like India did, it becomes worthless. They've no, no. done it in India now. They've done it in Mexico. Of their they've, cash. Done it, they've done it in various countries, but that's what they do. They will be forced into a gold-backed system. It's not going to be selective. No, and it I don't care painless. who's in it office. It won't be painless either. It'll be a situation where this will They'll be a complicated system. They won't talk about it much well, before you they had- do it. They may justify it once they, I, I'm going to, I'm going to I mean, Cruz expect- talked about it, Ron Paul talked about it, they talk about it, but they, they know do, it's but not going, but they know it's not going to happen. They know it's not going to happen. They know it's not going to happen. Well, I don't understand so. what you're saying. They don't know what's Well, they, t- they talk about a gold back standard. It's oh. politics. They talk well, about thinking yeah, that's yeah. a good thing, and that's what we should have. But oh, I think we will have it. it. I do, too, but they're not going to do it until they're forced to do no, it. No, I agree with that. They're not going to do it. I mean, this whole new world order, the whole idea of big, unlimited government is based on fiat currency. So long as the government can essentially spin dollars out of thin air, as long as the Federal Reserve, that was, that's what lays the foundation for enormous government growth. It's what lays the foundation for the new world order. As long as they can produce a fiat currency and the world will accept it, they can rule the world. But if it turns out they have to give up the fiat currency, the size of oh. government is going to shrink. The size of the new world order is going to become something, uh, just a, a historical footnote. They can't make it. They can't have a big government world if we have a gold and silver-based currency. They're going to have to choose between either chaos or a gold and, based, uh, a gold and silver-based monetary system, and it'll be, they will be tempted to do the chaos. All right? They'll have some chaos for sure before somebody says, all right, fine, give them gold and silver again. I don't know. And if they do, what will the price of gold be, Molly? It won't be a thousand or twelve hundred or two thousand. It'll be magnitudes greater, and nobody knows what it'll be. But it won't be a surprise to me if, in the event we finally get to that gold-based monetary system, I would be surprised if it wasn't at least twenty-five thousand dollars today's dollars an ounce. Yeah, but what and it people could be don't 50, understand that. What people but don't understand what they don't understand if they froze it at today's price. If they froze it at thirteen hundred dollars, I'll tell you what, I'd be holding all the gold in the world at thirteen hundred dollars oh, yeah. than to have paper that's going to be oh, absolutely. Eval- if they kept it at thirteen hundred, those they'd say give us ten and we'll give you fifty cents. If they kept it at thirteen hundred dollars, you could You're- get a wonderful steak dinner for three, four dollars. And maybe less than that. All right. If gold's only going to be thirteen, fine. The price of a new car is going to be five hundred or thousand. The point is, it's going to protect your purchasing. Power. I agree. That's what I wanted to I get agree. across. I agree. Yeah. It's a situation we're coming out. in. You yeah. can't. I mean, the the future of gold is found in the fact, in my opinion, that it's a monetary metal, and it is the single most monetary metal, more than silver. 
And if we are going to have monetary problems, where are you going to go to get rid of fiat dollars or avoid the consequences? To me, you're going to a monetary metal. That means gold, number one, and to a lesser extent, silver. Thank you for listening, folks. Melody and I will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Todd, the producer. Bye-bye. I work all night, I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. The political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
to office that supposedly was allegedly for the people, what would they do, really? What, I mean, what seriously would they do? So I, I kind of put myself in that context. And I said, well, if I were elected, which ain't never going to happen, so don't panic. I, 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 what would I do? You know what I mean? So I started looking up some stuff. And I took a look at the, the income of the politicians. And when you look at the salary of the retired presidents, they get about $200,000 a year for life. When you look at the salary of the House and the Senate members, I mean, they get roughly $175,000 a year for life. When you look at the salary of the Speaker of the House, which is really insane, they get about $225,000 a year for life. When you, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna get worse. When you look at the, the salary of the majority and the minority leaders, they get about $200,000 a year for life, okay? Now these are the politicians. These are the guys that are all owned and controlled by the large corporations. Then you take a look at the average salary of a teacher. Now that's somewhere around 40 grand a year. And then you take a look at the average sal salary of a deployed soldier. And they get about $38,000 a year. So it made me wonder if I were a guy and I was seriously in office and I was for the people, where would I begin to make certain cuts? Well, I, I would try to pass a law that says anytime there's a deficit of more than 3% of the gross domestic product, then all the members in Congress should be ineligible for reelection. If you take a look at the 26th Amendment, which grants the right to vote for 18-year-olds, it only took three months and eight days to be ratified back in 1971. Why was that? It, it's because the people demanded it. And this was the time before computers, before emails, before cell phones and all that other garbage. And of the, of the 27 amendments, to the Constitution, seven took one year or less to become the law of the land, all because of public pressure. So don't you think that if all the people in the United States could hear this, what I'm talking about, which is never gonna happen, and we could come up with a Congressional Reform Act of 2017 that would benefit not only the people but the country, what do you think the reaction would be? So what would I put in my Congressional Reform Act? 
Well, I would I would say that for the congressmen and women, there's no tenure, there's no pension. And the congressman and the congresswoman can collect the salary while they're in the office, but they ain't going to get no pay when they're out of office. I would also make it that the politician can only serve two or maybe three consecutive terms. That's it. It's not a career. It's, it's a service. It's an honor to the country. Then I would say that all the past, present, and future Congress participants have to form under Social Security. And all the funds in the Congressional Retirement Fund should move to Social Security. And all the future funds flowing into the Social Security system it, it, and Congress participates with the American people and the Social Security fund can't be used for any other purpose. Now, if Congress wants to purchase their own retirement plan, they should do that because that's what all Americans have to do. And then the people in Congress could no longer vote themselves a pay raise because the congressional pay will rise by the lower of the consumer price index or 3% only. Now, if Congress loses their health care system, then they should participate in the same health care system as the rest of the American people. And they have to equally abide by all the laws that they impose upon the American people. So all contracts with past, present, congressmen and congresswomen would become void in that act, the Congressional Reform Act, on March 1st of 2017. Because the American people didn't make any contract with the congressmen or the congresswomen. The Congress made all the contracts for themselves. And like I said, that when you serve in Congress, it's not a career. It's an honor. You're serving the country. And the founding fathers envisioned citizen legislators, so ours should serve their term and then go home and go back to work. And what they should do is whatever their salaries were, Instead of, you know, I mean, they got to pay the next guy coming in. But like I said, why can't they fall under Social Security like everybody else? Ronald Reagan robbed Social Security. And then he said that the next guy would pay it back. And then the next guy said the next guy would pay it back. And now they're labeling Social Security as federal funding. What do you mean federal funding? American people paid money in that so that when they become 65 or 67 or 68 or whatever the hell the number is, and they retired, then all those taxes that they paid 
and all the taxes that their employers paid into Social Security would have come back to them. But that's not the way it worked, because the Congress people felt, and, and the presidents and whatever felt, oh my God, the economy is suffering. Where are we going to get money from? Oh, we're creating a deficit. So why do we take it out of Social Security? So they take it out of Social Security, and then they get people like George Soros and 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 uh, what's his name from Microsoft? Oh God, why can't I remember names? Anyway, to create situations where Bill Gates, where the older people start dying off, and as the older people die off and they get sick, then there's less Social Security that has to go out. You see, you see what this is all about. So, so the pharmaceutical industry wants to keep it that way. The medical industry wants to keep it that way. They don't want people to stay well. They want them to stay sick. They don't want them to live longer. Oh, my God, the horror. Think about it. Imagine if all the people in the world could live to be 100 years old. Everybody in the United States, 100 years old. Oh, my God. The politicians would freak. I mean, how oh my, they're supposed to die before they can collect Social Security. Look, aging is a natural process. It is, that our bodies go through, and it's not something that we can stop from happening. I mean, I don't know how many years, but scientists, they, they've been searching for the fountain of youth, but they can't find it. You know what I mean? So you got people out there trying to delay the aging process. Okay, great. So these people in in in, uh, in Korea, they're trying to find something to do to delay the aging process. And what they found is that you can add years to your life by making smarter food choices when you're younger. Why? How come no one ever tells anybody that? So you forget about the expensive lotions and the face creams with the harmful ingredients to turn back the hands of time while the possibility of eternal life is never going to happen. Your best bet is to live a long, disease-free life, which would seem to be living a simple, organic, and active life. It's no secret that the acceleration of the aging process is caused by eating a lot of sugar, a lot of stress, getting a lot of toxic stuff going into your body, and a lot of other lifestyle factors. And these researchers found that the consumption of micronutrients like vitamin C and folate and potassium and sulfur can significantly delay the biological aging process. So according to the scientists, the LTL, the leukocyte telomere length, or the parts that may affect the cumulative oxidative stress that indicates biological aging could hold the key to naturally slowing down the aging process 
and keep us looking and feeling younger. So there was this guy, Dr. Axe, and he reported that telomeres are the segments of the DNA at the end of our chromosomes that can be compared to the plastic tips of the shoelaces that keep the shoelaces together. So the, the telomeres prevent the chromosomes from fraying or tangling, which can lead to genetic information getting mixed up or destroyed. And their length matters because every time a cell divides, the telomeres become shorter, which leads to cell loss. Then there were these studies, they associated the shortening of the telomeres with aging with Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and heart disease and cancer and all kinds of crap. So there are a few lifestyle changes that people can make to lengthen the telomeres to slow down aging and possibly reduce the risk of some of the diseases. So their study, which was published in the Journal of Human Nutrition and Dietetics, they followed the aging process of about 2,000 men and women that were aged between 40 and 69 for 10 years. And what they found was that the consumption of certain micronutrients were associated with the length of the telomeres and delayed the aging process. So there's a lot of factors that play a role in how long we live. And committing to a healthy and active lifestyle packed with nutrient-rich foods is the best bet to slow down the aging process and ward off the age-related diseases like osteoporosis, diabetes, and heart disease, okay? But there's another problem that people don't realize, and the problem is called karma. <laughs> so, really, and you got no control over karma because... Everything you did is going to come back to you, whether in past lifetimes, this lifetime, you don't believe in reincarnation, okay, whatever. Say you're leading a perfect life and all of a sudden you get hit by a truck. What did you do to get hit by the truck? Or you're walking down the street and someone drops a safe out of a 50-story apartment and it lands on your head. I mean, come on. You don't have to believe in karma, but it's reality. So the point is, there's two things that you cannot control. You cannot control death and you cannot control getting older. That's it. You can't control it. You're gonna get older, you're gonna die. Okay, we know that. But wouldn't it be better to live a life that is free of disease, where you don't have to be encumbered by pharmaceutical drugs, or become a customer for a physician, which is euphemistically known as a patient, and just eat the right kind of foods. The human form is supposed to eat plant-based foods, but we get conditioned to eat flesh-based foods. And then some idiot like me comes and says, no, you're not supposed to eat flesh-based foods. Yeah, well, my, my mother, my grandfather, my great-great-grandmother, they all, they all ate the same food. I don't care. The human form is not supposed to eat that stuff. So what do we do? So we go out and we decide, okay, we want to get something to eat. Okay? 
So there's this common food chemical that gets added to processed meats that stimulates the growth of a bacteria that triggers migraine headaches. Okay? So you got nitrates. Nitrates are found in lunch meats like sausage and bacon and, you know, salami and all that crap. And they're responsible for changes in the microbiomes of us, the humans. And those bacterial changes could become the precursor of, among other things, migraine, migraine headaches. So now there's this study coming out of the University of California, San Diego School of Medicine, that investigated migraine triggers caused by bacterial changes in the mouth and the gut. And migraine headaches are vicious. They're not just severe headaches, but they cause dizziness and nausea. And they affect 8 million people in Great Britain alone, and most of them are women. And what do they do? They take over-the-counter pain meds, which gives them temporary release, relief, but in no way, shape, or form does it address the root cause of the problem. So the researchers found that the regular migraine sufferers showed elevated levels of certain types of bacteria that process nitrates in their mouth and their guts. And the research was based on this available data from the American Gut Project with the University of California researchers that analyzed 100, almost 200 oral bacterial samples and nearly 2,000 doo-doo samples from the database and they found nitrite, nitrate processing bacteria in the oral and the fecal samples. So this sudden colonization of nitrate processing bacteria converts the extra nitrates going into the body into nitrites and then into nitric oxide. So theoretically, the microbiome is adapting to the conditions taking place inside the body and protecting the person from the synthetic chemicals that are in their food. But when the bacteria finally converts the nitrates to the nitric acid, there's two outcomes. Nitric acid helps to promote cardiovascular health, but in excess, it triggers migraine headaches. So, for example, you're a patient and you take a nitrate-based drug for hypertension, right? Because you, you are commonly reporting severe headaches as a side effect. So four out of five patients who get on those meds suffer with headaches. So there was a researcher was unsure if the microbes respond to the nitrates is the cause of the migraines. Or is that the result of the migraines or is it involved in some indirect way? So you want to eliminate migraines? Well, maybe it could be as simple as changing the microbial terrain in the mouth 
So maybe if you limit your intake of processed meats, the microbiome can adjust and the nitric oxide levels can decrease and the incidence of migraine headaches would lessen. And other solutions include the development of a probiotic mouthwash that changes the bacterial profile in the mouth. And I mean, other research wants to influence the microbiome in a way that benefits cardiovascular health without triggering the migraine. So it's like, what's the solution? The solution is be careful of what you eat. Stay away from processed foods. Stay away from processed meats. Stay away from anything that had a face in a mother. Don't eat eggs, for Christ's sake. Eggs just cause so much of your calcium in your bones to be used to offset the protein that one egg consumption creates in the body. It's a never-ending cycle. You know what I mean? It's like then... We pick up all kinds of stuff. We touch things on a daily basis, right? We got hand sanitizers and they're full of antibacterial ingredients that kill the bad and the good bacteria. So the question is, do we use them or do we not use them? Maybe everybody should just carry around some rubbing alcohol in a small spray container and mix it with some water and a couple of drops of essential oils for fragrance, that would do the trick without killing your good bacteria. Because it's almost impossible to avoid touching the most common places everybody else touches. When you go out in public, public or use public transportation or when you pay cash for products and services, nobody wants to be a germaphobe. Nobody has to be one. You just need to take some precautions that make sense and then boost your immunity naturally with vitamins and minerals and certain proven supplements like oil of oregano, which kills viruses, and alloy and medicinal mushrooms and garlic and licorice root and cinnamon and above all, organic sulfur. So the next time you see somebody near you sneeze or they blow their nose because they're all stuffed up with a head cold, don't get nervous. Don't get paranoid. I mean, what about when you shake somebody's hand and then they tell you afterwards they're fighting off a virus or an infection? So what do you do? Do you freak out? And you go to some idiot doctor to prescribe you antibiotics, which kills off your good bacteria and makes you more susceptible to getting sick? you got to have a little bit of faith in the human immune system. Because it's a medicine that knows how to do its job. And all you have to do is protect your system while it protects you. And it's actually good for your body to pick up some germs and big bacteria every once in a while. That's how you build immunity to it. Despite what the Western medicine, medicine quacks would have you believe. So what weakens the immune system the quickest are the vaccines, the flu shots, the antibiotics, the fluoridated water, the genetically modified crap, the processed food, the lack of exercise, 
and those dreaded antibacterial hand wipes, lotions, and gels. So maybe you should create your own healthy spray and take it with you or else somehow avoid the six most popular places where your hands pick up germs and bacteria? Oh, six places? Oh, what could they be? What about the handles on grocery carts and the carry baskets at the stores? What about the handrails, like the handicap rails in the bathrooms and at the hospitals? What about the tray tables on the airplanes? What about taking money out of your pocket? You ever take a dollar bill or a $10 bill or whatever out of your pocket and, and, and now you got to, you got to do something and you got to, you need both hands. And what do you do? You put the, the dollar bill in your mouth. What do you got out of your mind? Then of course there's door handles. Everybody touches a door handle. And then you have the condiment bottles at the restaurants, including the ketchup, the mustard, the hot sauce, the salt, the pepper, maybe the, the soy sauce, you name it. You know how many people are touching all that crap? <laughs> you think that they take wipes and they wipe them all off after 500,000 people go into a restaurant and they all touch them and sprinkle all that crap on their food? No, they just fill them up. And the guy fills them up after he empties the trash, but he never washes his hands. So let me give you the ultimate example of someone who gets sick from other people's germs and bacteria and can't figure out why it's happening, okay? So let's draw a picture. You got a family of four. You got two young kids. They're about to go on a trip. So the first thing they do is they go to the grocery store and they load up on bottled water and some snacks. So the father, he grabs a carry basket, right? The same one that somebody who had a virus just put back. Then the mom pays for the food with cash and receives her change from the cashier who's been fighting off the cold or a flu all week, but isn't showing any symptoms anymore, even though she's still contagious. So the kids run into the grocery store bathroom and they touch the rails and the flusher and the sink handles and the door handle all the way out and it's germs incorporated. So now they get to the airport. And the family stops at the restaurant near the terminal, and they have breakfast. And they have pancakes and eggs served with a smile. And the mom uses the, the artificial maple syrup bottle, and the kids use the salt and pepper shaker, salt and pepper shakers. And the dad handles the sugar glassware for his coffee. And then the couple that ate at the very table before them both had a throwing up virus the day before. So who knew, right? Okay. So next, the mom sits next to the daughter on the plane. And the dad and the son have to sit a couple of rows behind them. So the mom has the antibacterial wipes in her purse. And even though the wipes will kill some of the bad bacteria, they're going to still come in contact with 
when they put down the trade tables. Then they're going to weaken their immune system immediately by killing off some of the good bacteria that would have helped them fight off the cold and the flu. And and they're about to try to battle when they get to their destination. So now the father and the son, they're without handy wipes. And that's both good and bad. Although they're preventing weakening their immune system by wiping out good bacteria, they're still being attacked by germs that are located in the single worst bacteria-laden place anywhere, the trade tables on the airplanes. Unfortunately, the airlines are not required to wipe down the trade tables ever, so they don't. So it's a horror story that's waiting to happen. And it happens to the father and the son. They pick up the germs that survive for hours and sometimes days or even up to a week, right under their very noses and hands, where they're eating the processed food snacks made from the junk science experiments and fed to the health-ignorant travelers. So to make matters worse, the family arrives at their vacation destination and everybody gets sick. And then they go to the emergency room or the 24-hour dock-in-the-box clinic and they get prescribed chemical-based symptom-quelling meds and may not even enjoy the vacation they planned so well because they failed to plan to protect their immunity. So... Time to get smart and watch what you touch in public. You got to look into the natural immunity builders and avoid antibiotics, antibacterial soaps, the antibacterial wipes, the gels, the sprays, especially those that are containing triclosan. (laughs) I mean, seriously. No matter what, you, 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 you got to take responsibility for you. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't work any, any other way. And there is talking about taking responsibility for you. There is information that has been leaked that Monsanto will do anything to quelch. But right now it's not working. Although not a single mainstream media outlet has covered this appalling new report that shows millions of people being poisoned by a chemical that does not belong in our food. And the chemical is ending up in processed foods like Cheerios, Ritz crackers, Oreos, and being consumed by humans across the world. So the health of millions of people is on the line, and this news has to go mainstream. Okay? So if you, when you hear this, tell someone who didn't hear this. So the only way that this injustice can be corrected is if enough of us stand up and demand that something has to be done, okay? So give you an idea of what's happening. 
and how outrageous the amounts are. Independent research showed that probable harm to human health begins at a really low level of exposure of 0.1 parts per billion of Monsanto's glyphosate. Well, there were a lot of foods out there that have over a thousand times that amount. And it's well above what the regulators throughout the world consider safe. So glyphosate food testing results in parts per billion PPB are, just to give you a heads up, original Cheerios, the glyphosate in those original Cheerios is 1125.3 parts per billion. In the Honey Nut Cheerios, it's 670.2 parts per billion. Remember, anything over 0.1 is horrific, and even 0.1 is, is terrible. Wheaties, 31.2 parts per billion. Tricks, 9.9 parts per billion. What about Annie's gluten-free bunny cookies, cocoa, and vanilla? 55.13 parts per billion. This is going to get you Kellogg's cornflakes, 78.9 billion. Kellogg's raisin bread, 82.9. The Kashi organic promise, 24.9. Kellogg's Special K, 74.6. Kellogg's Frosted Flakes, 72.8. Cheez-It Originals, 24.6. Cheez-It Whole Grain, oh, I mean, whole grain, oh, my God, 36.25. The Kashi Soft Baked Cookies, the Oatmeal Dark Chocolate, 275.58, Ritz Crackers, 270.24, Triscuits, 89.68, and Oreos, 289.47. Now, the list goes on and on and on. It includes all the Oreos. It includes the Stacy Chips. It includes the Lay's Kettle Cook chips. It includes Doritos and Fritos and the Goldfish Crackers and the Lucy's and the 365, 365 Golden Round Crackers. The 365 is the Whole Foods brand and the Back to Nature Cheddar Chips. These are all over Three, four, five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand parts per billion of glyphosate. So the research, why you should be concerned about eating glyphosate, is the research linked glyphosate to cancer, and it's been deemed a human carcinogen 
by the World Health Organization, and the childhood cancer rate and the autism rate is steadily rising, and the experts say, well, we don't know. So why don't they take a look at what I just told you? Why? Because those are all the people that financed the bill that defeated GMO labeling in California. And the research also showed that glyphosate is an endocrine disruptor. What that means is it disrupts the hormones and it leads to reproductive problems, early onset puberty, obesity, diabetes, and cancers. And when it comes to endocrine disruptors, the very small exposures are the most damaging. So the dose makes the poison. That's the mantra. I mean, look, glyphosate is a broad spectrum antibiotic that kills the good bacteria in your gut. And when you have poor gut health, it's linked to inflammation and a whole open door of disease. And as GMOs laced with glyphosate are commonly fed to the farm animals, don't you think this is contributing to antibiotic-resistant bacteria? So it binds with the vital nutrients in the soil, like the iron, the calcium, manganese, and the zinc, and it prevents the plants from taking them up. So what's happening is the glyphosate is making food less nutritious, and the chemical has gone so mainstream that glyphosate has infiltrated every facet of our environment, water, air, and soil. So the GMOs were invented to be resistant to the glyphosate. And since the GMOs have been introduced, the use of glyphosate has gone through the roof because now it's the world's most widely used herbicide. And it's not just used on GMOs. The conventional non-organic farmers use Roundup as a drying agent on the crops like oats and wheat. And you can't wash it off because it's absorbed into the plant itself. So as the active ingredient in popular Roundup herbicide, millions of people are using this stuff around their homes, and it's widely used in parks and other public spaces. So this is why it's not just GMO-filled junk food that's laced with glyphosate. It's contaminating organic and non-GMO foods and it's even in honey. So the FDA very quietly found that this is in just almost every single sample of honey that they tested from mass produced to organic mountain honey. And yet the media, very silent and no one has ever heard the news. So even if you don't personally eat the brands that were tested, I don't, but that's me. How many people are eating Cheerios and Ritz crackers every day? And there's still thousands of other brands. 
and whole foods that have not been tested for glyphosate residues. So we can't be so sure that our own organic non-GMO and unprocessed foods are safe. So we are being effectively forced to eat this poison until something is done to stop the rampant use of the chemical. And while there are now several manufacturers of the glyphosate herbicides, Monsanto basically dominates the market, and this is their bestseller. And they're raking in billions every year, and they don't want that to stop. So they are very clearly, without a doubt, using their propensity to influence our government hookers. Why else would those being entrusted to protect the public from harmful chemicals turn a blind eye to this? Seriously. Back in 2013, the EPA massively increased the industry standard of what was considered a safe level of glyphosate on our food in order to make enormous amount seem a-okay. So instead of properly regulating, they basically raised the safe level so no one could blame the industry for poisoning us with unlawful amounts of chemicals. This is corruption at its finest. And the EPA has a long and horrible history of doing whatever Monsanto wants. And you have to ask yourself why this continues to happen and how can we make it stop? You got Hillary Clinton. Thank God she lost. She used to be a lawyer for Monsanto. And she bends over forward from anybody from Monsanto. So the EPA continues to kiss Ocoli to Monsanto. Well, Ocoli is the butt. As they keep postponing and dragging their feet to evaluate glyphosate's link to cancer in humans. They're fighting tooth and nail to make sure that the EPA, the Environmental Pollution Agency evaluation, will be in their favor and is trying to control who will be on the panel. So why won't the EPA do their job to make sure that the world's most widely used herbicide isn't causing all of us to get cancer? So don't you think this should be a top priority? Don't you think it's about time for the EPA to put the public health above the corrupt desires of the corporations? Hey, when it finally comes to the FDA, the Fraud and Drug Administration, or fatal drugs allowed, they are not protecting the American public from glyphosate either. I mean, in February, they announced that they would finally begin testing foods for glyphosate residues, and then they decided to suspend their testing. I mean, could it be that Monsanto didn't like the results they started getting, especially since the FDA found glyphosate in foods that should be especially safe, like baby foods? Hey, come on, man. Monsanto's going to do whatever they want and whatever it takes to keep the story out of the public eye. And it's just, it's shameful. It's disgusting. It's horrific that the American media 
has failed to cover this story. But we all have the power to make this information viral. You want to stop the corruption perpetuated by Monsanto and the large chemical companies? This is how we shut them down. The best way to avoid glyphosate is by choosing certified organic foods because it's prohibited on organic crops. And although contamination is a real threat, the levels on organic foods are minimal to compare to what's been found on conventional foods. And it's been shown that people who eat organic foods have less glyphosate and other synthetic pesticides in their system. I mean, people need to know about this stuff. They really do. And if they can't learn about this stuff, then, you know, in God we trust, all others pay cash. Now, let me give you another horror. The Chinese food production industry is one of the world's least regulated and most corrupt and has repeatedly been proven time and again. Now it appears there is no trusting anything that comes from China marked organic. <laughs> there was a report that showed that several foods within China are so contaminated that even the Chinese citizens don't trust them. And the countries that import those foods are basically putting their citizens at risk. So the U.S. Customs personnel, they kind of turn away food shipments from China because they, they have certain unsavory additives and drug residues and they're mislabeled, or they're just generally filthy. And some Chinese food exporters responded by labeling their products organic, even though they don't even come close to that. So there's some factors at play that makes the Chinese claims of organic unreliable. First of all, Environmental pollution from the unrestrained and unregulated industrial growth has so polluted the soil and the waterways with toxic heavy metals that nothing grown in them is safe, much less organic. Also, there's been so much fraudulent labeling and rampant corruption within the government and the manufacturing sectors that it's not smart to trust what is even written on the package. So the farmers in China, they're using water which is loaded with heavy metals, okay? And the water that they use for irrigation contains organic and inorganic substances and pollutants. So Chinese quote-unquote organic food is so contaminated that you could probably just get sick just by handling some of it. So... Some of the other things that were noted in the report is that all of China's grains, 
vegetables, and fruits are irrigated with untreated industrial wastewater. The Yellow River, which is considered unusable, supports the major food producing areas in the Northeast provinces. So a lot of the Chinese farmers won't even eat the food that they produce, if you can believe that. And that's because it's clear that China's water pollution issues are so pronounced that it threatens the country's entire food supply. So the Chinese farmers said there's no available water for crops except dirty water. So as part of the country's industrial prowess, it's also one of the largest producers and consumers of fertilizers and pesticides. And then it was, um, it was further noted that as China's industrial might grows, might grows, so too does the level of contaminants in the country's water supply. The lakes, the rivers, the streams, the falling water tables, they are becoming more polluted year by year by year. So in addition to man-made pollutants, animals produce about 90% of the organic pollutants and half of the nitrogen in China's water. And then there are times when the water is so polluted that it turns black, and yet it's still used to irrigate the crops, which affects the so-called organic farming operations. So there's nine foods that are particularly vulnerable here coming from China. You got 80% of the tilapia, which fish, that's sold in the U.S., 80%, comes from the fish farms in China, as well as half the cod. And the water pollution in China is a horrible problem. So any fish grown there or in that water supply is suspect. Then you got chicken. So the poultry produced in China is also plagued with illnesses like the avian flu. Then they make apples and apple juice, and only recently has the U.S. moved to allow the importation of Chinese apples, even though the American producers grow plenty for the country and the world. So then there's rice. Now, though this is a staple in China, and much of the rice in the U.S. comes from there, some has been found to be made of resin and potatoes. I, this is terrible. You got 34% of processed mushrooms coming from China. 34% of processed mushrooms, and they're polluted. You got salt that's produced in China for industrial uses, making its way to your dinner table. And then you got black pepper, where a Chinese vendor was trying to pass off mud flakes as pepper. And of course, green peas, which were nothing more than phony peas, have been found in China made of soy, green dye, and a lot of other questionable substances. And last but not least, you, get, you ready for this? About one-third of all the garlic in the U.S. comes from China. <laughs> Seriously. So the question is, 
Do you like being sick? <laughs> what you got to do is you got to make sure that you eat an organic, the basis of your diet should be organic plant-based foods, certified organic plant-based foods. You want to eat anything that had a face in the mother. You want to eat that crap. Hey, that's your business. But why don't you use, why don't you use the, the plants and the vegetables and the grains as the basis of your diet and use the flesh and blood as the sides of your diet. Right now, the flesh and blood takes over the majority of your plate. Reverse that. Go to certified organic. Start doing smoothies. Start eating a lot of organic fruits. I mean, you got, you got vegetables that are so loaded with omega-3s, but nobody ever tells you that. They tell you, oh, you want omega-3s? You have to eat fish. Are you kidding me? The oceans are polluted. They, they're loaded with toxins. They're loaded with mercury. They're loaded with, with radiation. They're loaded with PCBs. They're loaded with fluoride. You've got to be so careful because in an age where nothing is sacred except money, they don't care if you're healthy. They don't want you to eat healthy. They want you to be sick. Why? Why do they want you to be sick? Because then the doctor as a customer, and then the doctor becomes a steady customer of the pharmaceutical industry that puts more poison into your body just to treat a symptom and never get to the cause. You got a digestive tract in your system that if you stretch that out, it'll be about 30 yards or 30 feet, whatever it is. 30 feet, 30 feet inside your gut, 30 feet. And you eat anything that has a face in the mother and it takes seven days to pass your body, where does all the poison go while it's sitting in your body? It goes in your body. And it creates problems to your heart, creates problems to your other joints and your organs and your brain. And it creates, I mean, it's like it never ends. Organic sulfur crystals will detoxify all that crap out of your body. You know, all I can do is tell you. I can't I can't do it for you. I'm just giving you information. Uh, you guys don't like, I heard that people don't like me playing George Harrison's Mike Sweet Lord because he sings the words Hare Krishna. Hey, it doesn't matter. This is nothing compared to what you're doing to yourself by eating all the poisons that are being thrust upon you and sanctified by the U.S. government. I don't know what to say. I can just do what I'm doing and keep it up. And if you listen, you listen. If you don't, you don't. And uh, I can't do it for you. You gotta do it for yourself. So with that information, with leaving you with all this positive information, which I'm sure you're gonna be so happy, um, I'll probably have more next week. You know, so it might be uh, 
baby steps, you know, but you got to do it. And I'll talk more about omega-3s and I'll talk more about what, where you get this from. All clean foods come from plant foods, certified organic plant foods. They're not contaminated like everything that had a face in the mother. I don't have a lot of time. I got a bail. I'll catch you all next week. Aloha. The political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. 
some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
right, good afternoon all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's Wednesday, November 16, 2016, about eight minutes after 3 p.m. Pacific time. That's right, 3 p.m. because it is Wednesday, and that is my time on Wednesdays in the daytime is 3 p.m. Uh, 800-932-1980 is the call-in number theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com is the website. You can participate either way, but hey, if you call in, you got to participate. If you go to the website, you don't. You can go to the chat room, and even there, you don't have to participate. You can just go in there and, uh, well, socialize if you'd like. You know, let's see. Uh, there's some people in there right now, and, uh, you know, you can you can just go in there and talk to them. You don't even have to talk about what I'm talking to. Oh, talking about. Oh, let's see. And um, oh yeah, I guess I I just I saw it in the chat room. I will be a guest on Doctor Krupa's Natural Health Hour here in uh, well just under two hours. So you want to tune into that? You can. I'm not going to be talking about politics much. Uh, I don't think, because uh, I'm going to be talking about my solar project, which I've had some successes and some not successes with it. Um, it, it it's interesting, though, so we'll, you know, I guess we're going to talk about that. So uh, that that should be fun, because it, it is very interesting. I mean, if nothing else, it's, it, it's really interesting, at least to me it is, anyhow. Ah, now, some housekeeping, as I told you yesterday, and those of you who don't listen probably, uh, you know, are wondering, hey, what's wrong here? What's wrong here? Well, the uh, 64K stream I told you was going to go down, and sure enough, it did like five minutes, you know, before the end of my evening show. But I'd already told people for two days that, look, this is going to happen. It's you know, there's nothing I can do about it, and uh, there's nothing the company can even do about it. It's the powers that be that run the Internet. They, you know, and I, I can't really criticize them for this policy because, you know, the IP addresses. Well, many of you don't. You know the name, like American Voice Radio Network. Okay, well, that that's nice. It's a name. It's something you can remember. But behind that, okay... That's not what makes it go to my website. Numbers is what makes it go to my website. And that name is attached to numbers. And not all sites, you know, do that. Some just, you know, here's the, our IP address. Um, but the, the, the name thing is a DNS thing where they tie your name to your numbers, and that way people can just type in the name, and, and they'll go to the number properly. But... From time to time, you see companies get issued IP addresses, numbers, and they get, and they issue them in blocks. And I know, uh, for instance, that uh, you know they sell them. They don't sell well. They sell them, and they uh, they also issue them in blocks of twelve. And they may issue them to bigger customers in bigger blocks. Okay. I'm not aware of the bigger blocks because I've never experienced that. I've only been involved in the blocks of 12. But they have a rule that, okay, when you get issued a block, whatever size it is, however many there are, say there's 100 in there. 
You have to use. You have to be using 75 of them. You know, you can keep 25% in reserve, so, you know, you've got some extra ones if you need them. But if you're using less than 75%, then they're going to take those from you until you're back down to 75%. And some of those ones that they take, you may be using, which is the case is what happened here. So they were using some, but they weren't using 75% of their block. So the issuer says, hey, we're taking IPs back from you that you're not, you know, that, and then we're bringing you back down to where you only, you know, where you are using 75%. In other words, we're going to leave you with 25% of unused ones, but uh, we're taking the rest. And some were being used because they use, you know, different IP blocks, have different groupings of numbers. So anyway, they had to come up with new IPs. So the address for the stream changed. I got this all done in like 15 minutes, but, you know, you now must go to the website, okay, to get the, um, you know, the new address. And I don't think TuneIn yet has the uh, the information. They will, but they don't yet, but they will. And then you can get that there too. But for right now, you just go to the website, and I know... A lot of you just uh, save this and then, because, you know, all that clicking is too much. Uh, you know, so, but eh, anyway, people do what they like to do. And so now you click on it, it doesn't work. Yeah, why do we have seven streams? Gee, I don't know. You know, I really don't know anymore. Maybe it's true. You know, maybe you'd all like that if I just cut out all the streams but one. You know, just cut everything down to just one. No choices for you at all. Just, this is it. Would you like that better? Because that's what people seem to like better. Oh, I get so confused when I have choices. I just sit there staring at the screen. I don't know what to do. Well, click on something. What can happen? The world explodes because you clicked on a link on your on your computer? I don't think so. These are the same people that will... Read, write, eat, lunch, uh, put on makeup, read, you know, dress themselves and everything else while they're supposed to be driving down the road. Okay? Anyway, enough of that. Let's get to some news. Here's something. Nah, I'm not going to do this one. It, it's do you own your fingerprints? Okay? And, you know, it's a good question with all the biometric stuff coming on. And uh, let's see. They say there's a... Uh, an obscure law somewhere. Under Illinois law, companies must obtain written consent from customers before collecting their biometric data. They also must declare a point at which they'll destroy the data, and they must not sell it. And the fine is $5,000 per violation. The law reads, social security numbers when compromised can be changed. Biometrics, however, are biologically unique to the individual. Therefore, once compromised, the individual has no recourse. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we'll see, because places like FedBook are, are fighting this. They don't want that. They They want to be able to take all this, because you know what? 
They want to sell all this. That's where their money comes from. Do you really think all those little ads are paying for that that punk's mansion and stuff? Really? Do you? I don't think so. They're selling information. It's just like oil companies. You know, oh, oh man, gasoline. Gasoline is a waste product. Do you realize that? Yeah, we're paying almost $4 a gallon for a waste product. Oh, sure, it burns. It runs the car barely. If you've noticed what crap gas has turned into. I mean, regular gasoline is the bare minimum that will start your car. Okay, it's so bad. And if they didn't put those additives in it, it wouldn't start your car. But where do they make their money? Well, petrochemicals. That's where they make their money. All right, here's some good news. Republican senators who turned on Trump. Yeah, well, they lost. Isn't that cool? See, the media is just not getting it. We're sick of their crap. We're sick of them. We're sick of the government. We're sick of these people. I mean, really, you know, they should be thankful that Trump won. They really should. All these little liberal cry bullies, as what I've heard them called, instead of cry babies, they're cry bullies. The thing about them is they should be glad Trump won, because I'm telling you, punks out there that supported Hillary Clinton, it was either Trump or everybody starts coming to your house and taking care of you their own way. And civilization breaks down and we go into, hey, welcome to the jungle. I don't think any of these little crybabies really want that. So they should be glad Donald Trump won. Really. But they're not. But senators that, you know, turned on them are Republicans. So let's see here. In a unsurprising trend. Many who had vocally opposed Donald Trump as a presidential nominee lost their seats in the Senate. In fact, those who rejected Trump and tried to run their races alone were the only members of the Republican Party in the Senate to lose their re-election bids. Remember they were telling us, listen folks, why am I bringing you this story? It's not just to, you know, tell you some good news about some jerks that lost. It's that I want to point out Media lies. Media lies. They lie constantly. They lie all the time. They lie 100%. And they lie when they don't even have to lie. But they lie nevertheless. You can't believe anything they say. I mean, and you, you all nod your head and act like you know this, but then you'll tell me all about their polls and how this is happening and that's happening because the polls, the polls. Well, guess who runs the polls? The same liars that you nod your head about saying, yeah, they're liars, all right, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, why would you believe their polls? Why would you believe anything they say? Why would you even watch these people? I mean, honestly, they told us that, oh, well, you know, these people are not tying their wagon to Donald Trump because Donald Trump will lose the Senate and he'll lose the House and he'll lose all these things if, if they back Donald Trump because, gee, nobody likes Donald Trump. Everybody loves Hillary and, gee, is that what happened? No. No. There were eight new Republican seats 
and one Democratic seat up for grabs during this election. Illinois, Wisconsin, North Carolina, New Hampshire, Nevada, Florida, Indiana, Pennsylvania, and Missouri. Of the nine seats being voted for replacement, six of the Republican nominees either did not oppose Trump publicly or offered support for the now, well, supposed president-elect, even though he's really not yet. Three of them explicitly rejected Trump and consequently lost the favor of their voters. Kelly Ayuat in New Hampshire lost. Mark Kirk in Illinois lost. And Joe Heck in Nevada lost. In the case of Kirk, this is unsurprising. His winning was a long shot for him no matter what. But Oyedat, Oyet and Heck were both in very winnable races and even had a better chance of winning than many of their peers who ultimately triumphed. Heck led throughout the summer, but after withdrawing his support for Trump in early October, he declined and fell slightly behind Democrat Catherine Cortez Masto. On election day, Heck finished with about 17,000 fewer votes than Trump got in the state and lost. Oyat's defeat was most notable as she was ahead in the polls and should have had a victory set in stone. Instead, she faltered. Yep. So that's what you get. And you think that the media didn't know this was going to happen? You think that they didn't understand what was happening? They knew. They lied. They lied. They lied. They lied. They're lying now. They were lying then. And they'll keep lying. They blame everybody. They blame, oh, it's the, uh, it's the fake news sites. It's the uh, this. It's the that. It's the women. The women did it. We love women, but they did it. Those self-hating women. Yeah, the misogynist women. You know, that's getting stupid. That's the black whites. The white blacks voting for uh, Trump. Yeah, that's right. The white blacks were doing it. The misogynist women did it. Uh-huh. The Democrats have lost their minds. And mostly everybody in the media is a Democrat, including that scumbag, Megan Kelly. I'm telling you, folks, I would like to see Fox News just say, you know what, we're not renewing your contract. Go to CNN where you really belong. And see what happens to her career then. Because, oh, here's about the media. Twitter, well, Twitter now is suspending alt-right accounts. Yeah, alt-right. Yeah, we're still using Hillary Clinton terms. Oh, okay, alt-right. Yeah, they're just canceling your accounts. That's all. Oh, yeah, you don't, you don't toe the line on Twitter anymore? We're getting rid of it. Because, you see, now they, they're blaming, oh, you know, Donald Trump used his Twitter account to get his message out, and uh, we can't have that anymore. So anybody uh, who tries to do that, that doesn't agree with the socialist, communist, globalist, worldwide communist revolution, well, we're banning you from Twitter. That's right. That's what they're doing. 
Yep, Twitter suspended a number of the accounts associated with the alt-right movement. Uh-huh. You know, there were no threats made. There was nothing. But are they are they canceling the accounts of Black Lives Matter? Are they canceling that? You know, the group that's calling for assassinations of, uh, you know, the upcoming president? You know, the group that calls for riots in the streets? You know, that group, are they are they canceling their accounts? Oh, no. Heck no. Mm-mm. No, they're not. Just the alt-right. You know, the ones getting beat up by the thugs that, you know, the, oh, you got a red hat on? Got to beat you up because that's, that's democracy in America. Oh, but Twitter ain't done. No, 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 no. Here's the thing. Twitter finally answers critics adding tools to curb abuse and harassment. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. The little snowflakes are getting their way at Twitter. Well, I hope Twitter goes down. And and the only reason Twitter's doing it is because, see, Twitter wants to sell out and cash in. That's what the people at Twitter want to do. They want to sell Twitter and get a big payday and walk away and let's, let it be somebody else's headache. But they tried that, and nobody would buy because nobody wanted their headaches. Because, you know, oh, when you open a community like that, there's always going to be little snowflakes that have a problem and want to say, hey, I'm being abused. Really? Now, my my understanding of Twitter is I don't get any tweets from anybody who I'm not following or isn't following me. So if you if you're being harassed, why don't you just, I don't know, unfollow? Oh no, because then I won't look as big time as I as I think I am, you know, cuz I have 50,000 people I'm following and uh, you know, because everybody feels it's only, you know, well, if somebody follows me, I got to follow them. Oh, so you get a lot well, nobody's really following you. They're just, you know, okay, fine, you're following me, I'll follow you, great. Uh, let's see, I'm almost coming up in the break, but I'll, I'll do something else before the break. But right, you know, after the break, I'm going to come back with this about online shopping dim- discrimination. This is pretty interesting, okay? This is really pretty interesting and something you ought to know about, especially seeing as how we're going into the whole Bye, 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 holidays, you know, where we worship God by buying things. Yeah, okay. So, a lot of, you know, and I buy things online all year round, so, you know, those of you that do are going to be interested in that story. And on a different note, Russia has sent an aircraft carrier to uh, Syria. And they're going to use it to provide air cover for their troops in Syria. That should be fun, huh? Boy, I'm sure glad that Donald Trump got elected, because you know what? If Hillary Clinton got elected, uh, we'd be heading to World War III right there. Look, people go, well, what the heck is... Well, see, Russia has been allies with Syria for a long time. They've got a military base on on a Syrian island there, and they have for quite some time. Now, the United States, through their spooks, have gone in there and tried to oust 
the legitimate president of that country, not because of human rights abuses like they like to put out in the news. And again, listen, folks, the news lies. Have you ever heard this on the mainstream media? That Saudi Arabia has plans and wants to build a pipeline through Syria into Europe so they can sell Europe gas and oil. Well, Russia is already selling Europe gas and oil. Syria is a Russian ally. Get it? They don't want to, you know, they don't want to do this, okay? They don't want the competition. Because Saudi Arabia's got this nasty habit of just, uh, you know, saying, hey, we'll sell a barrel of oil for two bucks. We don't care because it only costs them 30 cents to get it out of the ground. It costs the Russians more. It costs everybody more. See, Saudi Arabia is the Walmart of the oil business, and they can, they can suffer losses a lot longer than anybody else. So, no, Russia doesn't want that kind of competition. And Syria said, no, you can't build a pipeline through our country. Oh, next thing you know, the U.S. is saying, well, he's a horrible man. He's abusing his people. Abusing his people? Really? How many people get shot in the streets of Syria by the police? How many people does Syria how many, well, should I say, how many millions of people does Syria have in prison? Huh? U.S. has about 3 million in prison. We have over 1,500 people shot every year by police officers. Is that happening in Syria? Gee, what, what kind of abuse exactly are they having? Do they, does Syria have any cities that 40 people get shot a week? Well, you know, maybe if somebody is abusing somebody, maybe we ought to look at our own country first, huh? Before we start running around the world. It's bogus. It's a lie. That's all it is. And any violence and stuff is the George Soros school of politics, which is you send in a bunch of paid instigators to start a riot by a mob. And that's what the CIA has been doing forever overthrowing governments. I mean, they practiced real good and hard and long in South America for the last 150 years. Now they've expanded to the rest of the world. And it's all about a Saudi pipeline. It's got nothing to do with human rights or anything else. You think the United States government gives a damn about human rights anywhere? If you do... You're delusional, because they don't. There was a time in this country, oh, the most horrible president ever, Jimmy Carter, made it a point for the United States cut off trade with countries that were abusing their people. We didn't bomb them. We just said, we're not doing business with you anymore. Not so anymore, now that we have the good presidents. They do business with every tyrant, dictator, abuser on the planet. And then if they get out of hand, we just bomb them. We don't stop doing business with them at all. We bomb them and take their resources. That's the good presidents. That's what the good presidents do. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a bit. Oh, sorry.
such a free, free man. just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called and you're potentially involved in a homicide, but it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can and will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have selfdefensefund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit selfdefensefund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead. 
meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time? I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preserve, or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com.
This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steph, and you're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is still Wednesday, November 16th, 2016, and uh, it's about 3.44 out here. That's right, 3.44. And folks, I'll remind you, you got to go to the website, get the new 64K uh, address, Okay, because, you know, the address has changed. It had to change. So it has. It's up. It's running. Sounds good. Everything works. You just got to get it. That's all. Anyhow, uh, 800-932-1980 is the call-in number, theamericanvoice.com and americanvoiceradio.com. All right. So uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, where are we here? Oh, yes. If you're going to be shopping online, that's right, which I know some of you will be shopping online. Where is that? Here we go. Secrets of online shopping discrimination. Yep, most people think you can usually find a better deal when you shop online. And you know what? Usually you can. But the price you see can be different than what other people see. That's right, the type of computer you use, your online search history, even your zip code, all have been used by online retailers to determine what price you pay. In a study conducted by researchers at Northeastern University in Boston, 9 out of 16 online retailers and travel websites tested show different prices or different results for the same searches. I always assumed all the prices would always be the same, said Liz Owens. Owens, a busy mother of two, does a lot of shopping online and was initially skeptical when she was told the prices she sees are not always what everyone else sees until she participated in a test. Owens, along with six other people, were provided a list of items and had to look them up on the same websites at the same time. For most of the items everyone searched resulted in the same price. However, it didn't happen every time. When Owens looked up a night stay at the Caribbean Royal Hotel in Orlando on Travelocity on her laptop, she was shown a price of $132 per night. The same search on Travelocity at the same time on a mobile phone came up with a price of $119. A spokesperson for the travel website, said it sometimes does offer lower prices for people who use smartphones. So keep that in mind, folks. You know, if you're looking for something, especially high-dollar stuff, and you're sitting at home and you're on your, you know, laptop or your desktop and you're, you're sitting there, before you click checkout, you might want to open up your little mobile phone and go to the same site, go to the same thing, and see what kind of price you get there. Okay? You could save quite a bit. I mean, look, just for that, I mean, what, $119 versus $132? Okay, so what, $12, 14 Still, you save $12, $14 on everything you buy, on every 100 bucks you spend. Well, gee, that, you know, let's just tell you, say it's 10%, you just got a 10% discount. Just for using your smartphone. You know, I mean, fine. If you don't have a smartphone, well, then that's a problem. But if you do, what's the beef? Hey, just do it. 
is it too much trouble to, you know, is it more trouble than saving 10%? Ask yourself that. A similar finding was discovered when participants searched Rosetta Stone's online language software. Those in the group who searched on a desktop computer were shown a price of $249 for levels 1 through 5 of Mandarin Chinese. Those who used a mobile device were offered the same products for $189. That's a $60 difference, folks. I think that was shocking, Owen said. Well, yeah, but, you know. Now, when Owen's Remember, this is the mother who does lots of shopping online. Priced a GE 7-foot Christmas tree on HomeDepot.com with free home delivery anywhere in the U.S. Her price was $399. When the same item was priced on the site from Boston and Minneapolis, the price was shown to be $438. Home Depot said sometimes it does offer different online customers different prices based on the region where they log on from. The company said it can figure out one's location from a computer's IP address. Oh. Researchers found 9 of 16 online retailers use price steering or price discrimination. Uh, let's see here. Uh, 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 uh. Okay, price steering is when two users receive different product results or the same products in different order for the same search. Price discrimination, we know what that is, occurs when two users receive two different prices for the same search results. And let's see. When you log on to a website, companies can see. Now listen, companies can see because if they can see it, folks, they can capture it and they can retrieve it, and then they can sell it, okay? Companies can see your search history, your clicks, the type of computer and browser you use, and even determine your location. All of this, according to Wilson, can be used to personalize prices online. Uh, Let's see. Price discrimination can be difficult for online shoppers to detect because usually you don't sit there with several devices and and try this out. It's a real challenge for us and for consumers because companies are always experimenting with different strategies and algorithms. Um, Okay, so what can you do to figure out if the price you see is the lowest price? Well, there's no perfect solution, but here's a start. When looking for the best deal, look it up on your desktop and using your mobile phone. If you think Shopping in private or incognito mode is going to hide your information. It doesn't. Okay? That bogus crap that they put on Firefox and and Chrome is worthless. Okay? It's just a scam. It's a scam to make you think that, oh, I'm invisible now. I'm incognito. I'm uh, And there's a service out there called incognito, which is not the same as what they call it on your uh, computer and your browser. Because what comes with your browser is worthless, okay? Absolutely of no value whatsoever. It's just a scam to get you thinking that you're safe. So then you go and do things you probably shouldn't be doing, and you're, you know, you're exposed. Oh, your browser company wouldn't do that to you because you love Firefox, don't you? Yeah, uh-huh. 
you know, uh, Firefox might have been okay at some point, but once it got taken over by Chrome, uh, oh, I mean Google, oh, you didn't know about that? Gee, I guess you don't know about it because they didn't tell anybody. I guess they deny it, too, if they had the opportunity, although all the evidence is sorry. Uh-huh. That's like saying, oh, uh, Hillary Clinton's ahead. Oh, really? How come Donald Trump's filling stadiums and she can't fill a bathroom? Oh, that's nothing. Well, same with Firefox and Chrome. How come they look exactly the same except for their skin? Huh? How come they operate exactly the same? How come they're set up exactly the same? Hmm? How come Google is partners with Mozilla? Hmm? Yeah. Gee, let's see. Google, the gazillion dollar corporation, is partnered with a non-profit, we don't make any money here, sort of thing. I wonder who makes the decisions in that partnership. Hmm? Who do you think? That was only done so people who hate Chrome, hate Google, will still be involved in Google Chrome. Whether they like it or not, it just has a Firefox skin on it. All right? And Mozilla, shame on you for allowing that. But that's what's really going on, folks. But you can go and get and there's some free VPNs, or, yeah, VPNs, virtual private networks. That's what you need to do, folks, okay? And they say here, computer security expert says to hide your identity when shopping online. Use a virtual private network, a VPN. You can download some VPN services for free. And, folks, look, you just go to a search engine and say, you know, free VPN services. You know, look it up. But if you want some of the better ones, they might cost you. Now, get this. Are you sitting down 20 or 30 bucks a year? Folks, if you're concerned with, uh, you know, Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.